Welcome to Free Fall RC Podcast. Welcome to another episode of Free Fall RC Podcast. I'm Steven, here with me is Kevin. Hey guys. Today's episode is number 19, Crashes and Saves. Yeah, Crashes and Saves. I was like, well, how do you, if it's a close call, it's not really a save, it's just a close call, right? Well, I guess it depends because like coming down too low with a plane, like doing a loop would be a close call. But, like, not knowing the orientation of a heli and you're, like, kind of basically banging sticks to oh. save it. Yeah. Save. Okay. I've done both. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've definitely done both, um, especially this past weekend. But we'll get into that a little later. So, uh, how's your week been, man? It's been good, man. Yeah? It's been good. I've been 3D printing like crazy. Round nice. the clock. It's just, um, I I don't know. I, I When I got this printer, I bought... ABS MPLA, mm-hmm. and the ABS prints really good. It's got a heated bed, you know, and everything. So the, right. it prints really good. And I kind of got away from printing with PLA because I had some problems with it, just like sticking to the to the surface, the print bed. Then one night it was really cold in my garage, and it seemed like that had a lot to do with it. It kind of like got clogged up and just wouldn't print at all. Yeah, you got to watch the temperature of the nozzle. Was uh... yeah. If it's cool out, you got to jack it up. A trick with PLA is um, use blue painter's tape on the bed and heat up the bed only like a little bit. You don't really need much heat. But what ends up happening is uh, the wax on the the painter's tape will actually kind of melt a little when it prints and will actually hear your print, your job onto that. Okay. Yeah. I've, okay. I've done that. I've done glue sticks. You know, like there's, there's several methods you could use, but the uh, blue painter's tape works pretty well. Yeah, and, and I still really don't know what the advantage or disadvantage is of either one. I'm just, you know, I'm just like messing with it. Like I know that a, that ABS is more commercial grade. AB the difference between ABS and PLA. First of all, ABS is oil based plastic, so okay. it's it's like petroleum based, I guess you could say. While PLA is corn based, so it's kind of like made out of corn and vegetable oil and stuff. So PLA is biodegradable over yeah. time. While ABS is not, you know, you can recycle it, but it's it's kind of a, a toxic recycling situation yeah. compared to the PLA. Um, but ABS is stronger. It's going to last longer. So depending on what you're printing, you can kind of get away with either one. Like the landing gears I printed you, those are that's all PLA. And, okay. You know, they're pretty strong. You know, yeah. we haven't had much, any issues with them. So. No, they held up pretty good. Mm-hmm. And um, other than printing, man. Flew on Saturday, and uh, that was freaking awesome, man. We couldn't ask for a better day. It was like oh, yeah. 72 degrees. Yeah. And I don't even know if there was a cloud in the sky. At- yeah, no clouds, but uh, it, was, it had some gusty winds at times. But, I mean, it was manageable. Yeah, and I don't know. It was one of those days where it's usually when I walk out to the fl- flight line is when it gets gusty. But for some reason, every time I finish my flight is when the gust came in. So it was, nice. it was like that much better. Yeah, right. Luck on your side. Yeah, dude. I flew the sport. I don't even know how many times. I think like five or six times. I'm not even sure. Mm-hmm. I, f- I flew the uh, my my like go to 
planes or helis or whatever I'm bringing is is got to be the sport, the the oxy sport, the oxy cube, and the goblin, and then the Sukhoi. Like I'm bringing those four things every time I go. And this time I brought the Vigan and the FT Vigan and the mm-hmm. uh, the Sukhoi that I got from you. And yeah. you cracked that in half uh, <laughs> and fixed that. But uh, I flew the Vigan like three or four times and uh, got some compliments on that. Guys were were wondering, you know, all about that thing still. Nice. It's it's funny to get. I don't know. I say still. It's funny to get the like the people that come up to you and that don't know about the Vigan or don't know about flight test. And you're like, mm-hmm. you got to check it out. You got to try try building one. One guy was like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna definitely try building one and asked me a whole bunch of questions about it. I find a lot of people, like when I fly, you know, I get people coming up sometimes from the club and they're like, wait, that's made out of Dollar Tree foam board? Like, that's like the biggest shock to them that it's, you know, basically DIY, you know? Yeah. And that yeah. thing, dude, I was slowing that thing down in the uh-huh. headwind. I was just harrying that thing around and having a great time with it. Like, it was it was a lot of fun. I, I forgot how, how much fun that, that plane is, man. Yeah. I had a good time with that. Yeah, man, I love that plane. Like, like what I said in our last in our last episode, Vigan has got to be my favorite FT plane of all time. Yeah, I got a message from Fred. He cracked me up. He was like, "I'm 30 minutes into this FT episode, and you guys still haven't talked about anything other than helicopters." <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you know, it's so funny. I I got we got an email from Javier, right? And he's the opposite. He's like. Oh man, the first thirty minutes, first twenty five minutes, thirty minutes was great. All the helicopter stuff, and then I was so lost with all the play talk, and you know, but he's like, I powered through it and I listened to the whole episode. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah, because I I sent the message back to Fred. I was like, Yeah, we make up for it, dude. There's like yeah. two and a half hours of <laughs> right. <talk. laughs> yeah, definitely cool. <laughs> so what do, what have you been up to, man? Uh, so yeah, I flew. I flew on Saturday with. Uh, I brought Chloe to the field, and you know, I flew with you guys. Um, I had a great time flying the helis. I burned through. I think I estimated seventeen or eighteen packs on just helis. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I forgot to mention the best part was that the they had the uh, the multi rotor racing going on. So the flight line there was nobody on it. Yeah, like, there was like most two, of the day. two guys. That's it. Two other guys besides uh, you, me, and Rick. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. That was awesome. So yeah, we got to do a lot of flights. I, you know, I put a lot of packs through it. Um, I mean, seventeen flights. It kind of sounds like a lot, but to me, it doesn't feel like a lot because um, I have seven packs for the Oxy Three Sport, not Sport, the um, Cube, and then I have six packs for the Tariq, and then a couple packs for the you know Goblin Seven Hundred and the uh, the Five Seventy, and like. The flights are so short on helis. Like, I think I do three minutes on the, the Cube and three and a half minutes on the Tariq. And then everything else is kind of like three to five minutes, uh, depending on my, my head speeds. But, um, right. you know, like, if you actually add up the time, it's not that much. But um, it definitely took all day. I did get to the field a lot later than I wanted to just because uh, I was beat from my vacation and driving back eight and a half hours from Toronto. So, so that kind of made me do a very late start. I think I got there like almost one, like twelve something to one o'clock. Yeah, something like that. But still, you cranked out a lot of flights in that time. Yeah, yeah, and I stayed. I think till around. I definitely stayed till like I think six thirty. Oh wow! 
Yeah, and it's great, you know, with this whole spring, summertime, and not, whatever, not being on daylight savings. It's, you know, we. it's just great to have, like, it didn't get dark until about 7.30. That's when it was like, you know, you couldn't fly. It was just too dark unless you had a night rig. So, and the only plane I flew was uh, Chloe's FT trainer. I was buddy boxing with her, and <laughs> um, I'll go about one incident later, but um, that's cheap Adam's. It's not the ready board. I never knew that Adams made a different uh, foam board besides the ready board, which is like the standard recommended FT one. You know, it's like, I don't know, it's like three-eighths of an inch, I think, thickness. Right. So I went to another dollar store, and I, they had this color one. You know, it was a color on one side, white on the other. And, you know, she bought, I believe she bought the red, and I bought yellow. And, you know, we kind of made planes from that. And... I didn't notice what the thickness of it was like half the thickness of the ready board. So it just, it was really just, it just cracked in an instant. It was like basically no foam. It was like basically two pieces of paper. Did you make something out of that already? You made the the mini guinea out of, out of that? The first mini the first guinea one. was out of that. And, and, you know, you saw the wings on that thing. It was yeah. like a bird until it snapped. And the second one was better when I used the ready board, when I used the black and white better Adams ready board. And that wasn't too bad. Like, I mean, I, I still ended up breaking a wing or, you know, cracking a wing just from a crash and kind of weakening that point. Even though I had skewers in there, it just didn't, it just doesn't hold. Yeah. But um, that's from a crash, not just from flying, though. You know, this was just from me taking over when she, like, put it in a dive. And I would take over and just the act of activating the um, the elevator, which took over control, it would instantly just pitched up and the wings would just kind of bloop, pop. Jeez. And I had I had uh, popsicle sticks in the middle to like reinforce it. I was like, oh, it's not going to break this time. Nope, it did. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. We're going to I'm going to rebuild the wing. The fuselage. Was, it's kind of two parts. The back part is perfectly fine. No problems. OK. The front got smashed in. A bit, so uh, it's, it's just time to rebuild it. So it was just kind of smushed in too much, and the foam and paper started splitting. And I guess I could hot glue it, but it'll just add too much weight. I think it's just worth building a new uh, nils for it. So I got those uh, those plans printed out. So hopefully I'll be working on that soon. Oh, cool. Yeah, man. I, and I had some close calls, and and we'll definitely go over that during the uh, <laughs> close calls and saves. Um, We'll talk about that in our main topic. Yeah, you kind of broke things up a little different. I was looking at the notes, and uh, I kind of put, you know, airplanes, best crash, worst crash, and I went through multi-rotors and then funniest crash stories. I know you you had done it a little bit different. Yeah, I kind of did it on why I crashed. Okay. I I did a section on saves and, I guess, close calls. And then, basically, I did a section on mechanical or like you know models failing on me and also me just dumb thumbing it <laughs> okay you know so like or no no sorry no i did it as orientation and misjudgment so like you know you think that you have no you have more room than you actually do or think or like in helicopters orientation is a big one right so yeah so once the model gets a little bit further out and you lose orientation it's really hard to regain that unless you have uh height on your side to kind of figure it out quickly if not use you know rescue and bail out and stuff like that 
Yeah, so this should be cool. Yeah, why don't we combine the two and kind of go through like the different sections? Okay. And then, and then at the end, we can do our best or what we feel in our opinions was the best airplane crash, multi-rotor crash, heli crash, uh, best and worst, I guess you could say. And then uh, I do see a funniest crash story, which <laughs> I'm not funny. I don't <laughs> I don't really have funny but stuff. But yeah, let's go through it. Let's see what we got. Okay. All right, so saves and close calls. We'll kind of combine those two because, like you said, they're kind of the same but a little bit different, but they're relatable. So I'm going to start with the Vigan. There's many times I flew the Vigan at the at our club field, and I do this thing where, like, I just kind of – I don't really let go of the throttle. <laughs> I, you know, like I do when I'm harrying the plane, but when I'm doing a loop, I just kind of go full throttle. And, oh, jeez. <laughs> and as it's coming down – there's multiple times where I'm like, I got this. I'm, I'm gonna pull out of it, and I'm, you know, maybe I'm half throttle at that point, but it still has so much momentum and not enough elevator that I've skimmed the tail on the ground several times, or or come real close to skimming, you know, the tail. At, at least it looks like it from our perspective. <laughs> and you know, Anthony and all the guys are like, whoa, screaming, you know, like yeah. getting all loud about it. <laughs> and you know, we're all just laughing and having great times. So you know, I that's very memorable for me. I didn't I didn't think about it until right now, but like one of the saves I had most recently, I think, was flying the sport where I don't even know what I was doing. Oh, I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I came in I came in pretty low. I don't even know if I was upside down, but I know I flipped it over and then just like popped it back up, like flipped it over. Yeah, I think you were inverted. Was I inverted? Yeah, because I remember yeah. powering up and then flipping it over and then just powering it up again. Right. And that was like right out in front of us. Man, mm-hmm. just like three feet off the ground. I don't even know how close I got. Oh, it was. Close. It felt. It felt like maybe ten inches. Like I it mean, felt like you were about to crash. Like crash is imminent. You know. <laughs> it was. Uh, it was close enough to the point where when I got done, when I landed, everybody was clapping. Yeah, and they were like, "Well, a couple guys were clapping, but they were like, oh man, that was a good flight.'" Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember what the heck I was doing. I th- maybe I was inverted, and I was like, because I've been tr- I've been getting lower, to, lower and lower to the ground, inverted. Yeah, man. yeah, that was definitely rubbing a off on you <laughs> for sure. Yeah, <laughs> so cut some grass with the helis. Nice. Um, another save I had this past weekend, <laughs> and oh man, this one got the got the heart pumping, big time. Like. You know, the phrase like, oh, you got to change your underwear. I mean, I did it, but it sure felt like I needed to change my underwear. Um, <laughs> so I was flying the Goblin 700 competition, and I was pretty much – I was doing, you know, tail down TikToks, and then I rotate the tail 90 degrees to the – I guess to the left to be sighted, and then I do aileron TikToks. And I was just kind of holding the aileron TikToks, going back and forth, back and forth. And I guess I – you know, trying to recall the moment – I lost orientation. Normally doing aileron TikToks, you don't lose orientation because the disc is always like popping back and forth in front of you. Right. But because I was so I was kind of far out, you know, I was I was doing TikToks right after a punch out. So, you know, it's probably a good hundred, hundred and fifty feet back on the field. And I guess I was giving some elevator. I guess on a on a airplane you would give elevator and basically it started pitching the helicopter in a weird orientation that I just like had a brain fart and I'm like, Oh crap. And then my timing got off of the TikToks and it just started falling to the ground. And, Oh man. I mean, I, 
I missed this one, but I heard it. I heard the reaction. Yeah, and you, and you probably heard the helicopter sounding weird because I didn't know what I was doing. You know, like I didn't know which input to give to save it. And eventually, what I ended up doing is um, I kind of rolled it because I was, you know, doing the aileron, so I was already in the motion of doing uh, right and left on the cyclic. Oh, okay. So I rolled it and I punched out a little bit and kind of bunny, not bunny hop, but like flipped rolling it to get out of it. And then and then I got in, uh, you know, upright and I just I went up pretty high and I was like, okay, hover, back to tail and hover, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like. And then I was like, okay, it's, it's it's time to land. Like I need to take a breather. Um, one of the things I don't do and it's hard for me is when I get into those oh crap moments. I have rescue on my V control, my V bar Neos. You know, I spent extra money for this rescue where if I hit a switch, it self levels and then it goes up about 10 feet. And that would have been a perfect moment to use it, but probably want to talk about it, you know, in an, in an episode. But like, when do we, when do you basically as a pilot use rescue or just try to save it, you know? Yeah. But, um, I, since I'm not used to using rescue, I'm not used to using self level on the icons, so I that wasn't really an option. Like that wasn't even a thought in my mind. It was just figure out the orientation, regain control, pop it back up in the air, and get some height. You know, and whew, I mean, Anthony was in the multi rotor field on the side, <laughs> and he was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> you yeah, know? he was yelling. Yep. Yeah, he was yelling like, "What was that?" You know. So, I mean, it was pretty noticeable and, and I I believe I got a couple of claps um at the end of that like from the people that actually were like you know the people that are just sitting there watching it was just like oh I I totally thought that was going in nice that's a save that's a save for <laughs> sure yeah um all right you got any more saves or close calls you want to go over I had a save with the multi-rotor I think with the with the um the electro hub I had a couple of close I've had a couple of close calls with that. I mean, we I made a whole video out of the close calls I had. Right, yeah. But I can remember um a few saves with that with the with the Electro Hub. I don't remember specifically anything that uh you know, like I hit something and was able to save it or mm-hmm. but I, I can remember here's a here's a funny example of a save. I was flying for the longest time through the monitor on the tripod because I wear glasses and I, I didn't have uh, my eyes are so bad, I cu- I can't even see with the with the goggles on and no glasses or whatever. So I can remember being real windy out and the the, the tripod being blown <laughs> yeah. over, and I grabbed the tripod. And when I looked back at the picture, the the Electro Hub was like ninety degrees, you know, like right in the I air. Fetched. I saw the horizon was yeah, like ninety degrees. I was like, oh crap! I can remember saving that once. That was pretty nice. funny. I think okay. I have that on video. That's part of that one video from 2014. Yeah, we should post it uh, in the show notes. Yeah. Or in the Facebook notes when um, when you list the, the podcast episode. Um, yeah. So the other save I had, or maybe it's this one I would say is a close call. It was <laughs> when you let me fly your Oxy-3 Sport. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I'm doing my normal thing, like, te- you know, Testing the heli, see how the tail rotates, pitch pumping it. I'm like, okay, you know, I'm seeing the blades flex a lot. Yeah, I have. Uh, I don't have the carbon fiber ones. I have the plastic ones. Yeah, it's like a stock sport. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, you know, find the blades are moving. Let's try some stuff, you know. So, I, I think I was doing some TikToks, and then I go into this thing where like, 
I really need to learn the name of this move because I'm I'm gonna start incorporating it a lot in my I guess quote air quotes routine. Um where you kinda go forward elevator and it's basically knife edge pushing, you know, flying through the air and then you flip it more forward elevator and you basically pick a line and you kinda hit negative and invert, stop it, then punch out again, you know, kinda holding forward elevator. You're basically just doing forward elevator. It's like leapfrog, um like Except you're by yourself. Yeah, it's like leapfrog, but basically the, and the helicopter is just yeah flipping upright, inverted, upright, inverted. And you know, I was doing that, and I flipped inverted, and it felt pretty uh, non-responsive, I'll say. <laughs> and then I and then I flipped it back upright, and on the down part, it. I mean, we we have dirt. We saw dirt on the bottom of the blades. Yeah. It, it scraped a little bit of the grass. The nose looked like it hit, but it, I, you know, there was no cracks or scrapes. So basically, I came, you know, bunny hopping upright, coming down, forty-five into, basically almost hitting the ground, and then I flipped it up, inverted, and and I stopped at that point because that was low. <laughs> that was yeah, dude. Low. You were like millimeters from the ground for sure. Yeah, like, I mean, and those blades hit. Like you know, there's. You yeah. just the dirt on the tips of the blade, like on the bottom side only. So you definitely it definitely did scrape a little on the d- dirt. So yeah, it was like the tail went towards the sky as you were coming back around from like yeah. left to right, and yeah, the nose yeah. must have hit, and on yeah. the the blades definitely hit. Yeah, the blades. I don't think the nose hit. That was. I mean, if we hit, it would have crashed. If the heli like the nose ended up hitting, that means the blades really dug in. I don't know. It was in that orientation. Like it could have been level. With the nose and the and the, the tips of the blades, possibly. But it was it was it was pretty funny. That was another yeah. one. Where we're all like, oh, <laughs> yeah. And then when you gonna... then when you landed, you 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 did an auto and it like came down and was just like, Bleh. and then yeah, I lost a lot of head speed. Uh huh. And then hit the 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 runway a little bit, and the blades were like bending as they were hitting the runway. <laughs> yeah, kind of so kind of warm out. Yeah, I think, um, well, yeah, basically I was trying to do auto from, I don't know, like maybe 10 or 15 feet. Yeah. And <laughs> I just lost so much head speed that, like, I lost control. Like, there's no, there was no cyclic control on it. So, uh, um, you know, the helicopter kind of tipped over. And, and I don't think anything broke, right? Nothing bent or broke on that, right? No. Yeah, because the blades took it. The blades bent up, and it didn't look like the fender shaft took any of the impact, so... And yeah, so there's no damage, just some scrape marks on the blades. Some, you know. I'm not gonna ask you if you want to try and fly my 570 when I get that going. <laughs> no offense. Nah, I'm nah, like, I, I probably will. It was it was pretty funny. <laughs> the 570, I I know how that flies, and uh, that flies. You know, I keep it pretty high up. Not not like the oxys. I like to smack the oxys around. I I feel like if they do go in, it's not gonna be much to fix it's, it's not gonna be that much damage either. Well, that's what I loved about that thing. Uh, flying that thing now. I mean, it's exactly what I built it for. Mm -hmm. To smack around and beat the crap out of it, man. Yeah, it's an awesome trainer. I mean, I would replace those blades, but yeah. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with the Zeal blades. Yeah. So besides that, everything about the heli is great. It's cheap. It works. It's still high quality, in my opinion. I mean, you know, I was feeling the G10 frames, and they don't flex. It's solid, you know, so. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I got a close call. You actually put this in there. Oh, I think I know what this one is. This this has got to be probably the biggest close call with the smallest heli. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Yeah, so it was at our old field that we used to all fly at. And I was flying the Blade 180CFX. And, you know, like that heli when I first got it, it was, wasn't too bad. I, I, I don't know. I think all the aluminum parts I put on there kind of weighed it down. But with all the plastic stock parts, it, it flew pretty well. And I was doing uh, – was I doing backflips or forward flips? I think you were doing backflips. Okay. So, yeah, I was doing, I guess, backflips. And and this is back in the day where you would just hold the elevator and just keep positive, negative, positive, negative. <laughs> yeah. Because we didn't – I don't think we were that good at the time. I know for me, I, I definitely wasn't that good. I, I still do that, though. Yeah, but now we can control <laughs> it a little bit better. Yeah, yeah, I have better cyclic control for sure. But, um, yeah, so basically I was just holding the elevator full cyclic down and just managing collective, you know, down, up, down, up as it's totally flipping. And at one point it was it was going pretty quick. It was flipping pretty quick. And, yeah. I was, and my timing just went totally off. And that thing went screaming at us. Uh, you were to the left of me. I think Jeff was on the right of me. Somebody and, was filming. Jeff yeah. was. I think Jeff was filming, and basically we're going. I was going back for it, and then I was like, "Oh crap, I lost it!" And that thing shot went crashing right between you and me, like inches away from our feet. Yeah, <laughs> I think you jumped back a little. <laughs> I, I, yeah, the video is like I don't know. I was like, I was like, "What was that?" And then I was like, "Okay, my turn" or something. I said like, <laughs> "Yeah, like you're done." <laughs> I'm yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna take a break now. But uh, yeah, so that was a real close call with not the crash, but with us, <laughs> you know, potentially hitting uh, someone. So, and we need to do a safety episode. <laughs> yeah, because you know, now that I'm thinking about it. I had those two. I had two that were similar. One with the Oxy and one with the Goblin 380. Where I probably should have hit throttle hold and uh, and rescue or or bailout or whatever. You know, self leveling. But I I kind of like stayed with it and. They, yeah, were, they were getting close to, to us. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's one or two times I remember. I was like, um, that's maybe on the runway, but being kind of high up, it kind of looks like it's right over my head. <laughs> yeah, I know one for sure was on the Oxy Cube, and I was coming from right to left, and the wind was blowing right in our face. And yeah. I, I was trying to do a loop, and I hadn't done loops at all. And I think I remember going up and getting to the top of the loop, and it just blowing it like straight towards us. Yeah. Or how about. How about that one time with the goblin? I have that on video. I think where, where I went up, tail down, and nose up, and I, I kind of like paused for a second or dumb thumbed <laughs> it or something. Yeah, like you were flipping it. You were doing your backflips, and I guess you got timing off on when to give collective, so it actually drove the heli like a U shape, yeah, kind of right on top and a little bit behind us. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> and you saved it, you know? I mean,. Those are the moments where if you don't learn from what you've done, yes, you, you really should slow down. Yes, you should slow down or fly further away fly from you. Fly further out, yeah. Yeah, further out away from you. I know there's like probably about a half dozen saves with planes we've had. The EFX racer, hand launching that thing. Oh, jeez. That's yeah, right. You, you have that, that? Up video. Yeah. Yeah. I was just like scraping wings <laughs> almost on the ground. Yes. Teeter toddling back and forth trying to take off that thing. Yeah. That was, uh, uh, I would say that's a save. That was definitely me, you know, fighting it and figuring out, you know, <laughs> what I need to do to get this damn plane in the air. Yeah. I don't think I had ever seen uh, a plane try to take off and 
bank one way and then overcorrect and bank the other way and then touch that wingtip to the ground and then still save it. And then still save and take off and then have a nice flight after that. Yeah. Yeah. That was pretty awesome. Yep. <laughs> yeah. That was crazy. Yeah. So we're going to go now into more of crashes. And I did split this up into um, two main sections, orientation and misjudgment. And then we'll go into dumb thumbing and having failures on the uh, the planes or helicopters. So my story, I think I started with a vegan last <laughs> section. And again, I'll start with a vegan again. Uh, so the FT vegan, this is the one I bought at Flight Fest 2015. It's all white. Um, it was the speed build kit. And I, I built most of it at, at Flight Fest, but I didn't get a chance to finish it up. So I ended up finishing up that weekend after we came back and then we went flying that weekend or, or the weekend after i forgot exactly right but um uh, i had like a couple pieces of color tape on it but nothing as drastic as i normally do with my tape jobs um uh, so I was, it was basically an all-white plane i was flying i was doing my thing kind of coming around and i was going right to left banking right and going around like a circuit and I don't know. I think I overbanked it. And when I was, you know, so I was basically past 90 degrees. So when I pulled on the elevator, basically the plane wanted to pitch down. Right. And at that moment, you know, I kind of like slapstick the other way and kind of try to get it flying back towards me. And I just, it came low and I kind of pulled out of it and I gunned it. I just went full throttle and it went through a tree <laughs> and it came out of the tree but it came out without a wing, without half the wing. And uh, I had twigs in the wings and stuff, and it was crazy. So I literally, like, jammed that thing through a tree, ripped half the wing off. The carbon spar was still there. I ripped the side of the the fuselage in the back with the, uh, what do you call it, the um, the air tube. That was all damaged. Like, you oh, just wow. EDF on the one side. Um, yeah, it was pretty much done. I mean, like... I guess I could have cut the wing out and try to make a new one, but um, that was the – I think that was version two. Yeah. That was the shortest version two I've had or shortest <laughs> FT plane I've ever had. I think it basically lasted two flights, a maiden and then like an actual like, okay, let's go let's go have fun with it flight. Yeah, that, that was – I was just like, wow. <laughs> I never – flew a plane like completely through and have it come out the other end and still flying yeah you hear those stories about it going through a fence and getting shredded yeah and that's kind of what had happened you know i can remember flying at, at flight fest 2014 with the spitfire i had done and hand you know painted and all that stuff the second one i built and took all this time in making it and put david vindestall's initials on it and everything like that this was funny because there was three of us in the air that i can re remember probably a lot more people in the air but at one point all three of us lost signal and dropped like we're having those signal drops out there mm -hmm. like somebody clicked something on or there was i don't know what happened but uh yeah i remember three of us at one time all in the same area just dropping and i i broke the fuselage right in half and i was like oh, oh man i just got done you know painting this thing getting it all set up but, but it was no problem i just i i think i hot glued it back together and i was flying it i still mm -hmm. fly it today uh, that was that was strange. I don't know what you would call that. It's not orientation misjudged, but it's just I guess I a think that's failure. A, that's a failure. Yeah. Yeah. It was just a a weird thing that happened. 
I think it's those DSM two um, right. receivers. If you if you were using that in there, yeah, because I, I have I, not had a problem yet with the with the Spectrum ones. I've mm-hmm. replaced a lot of them, even at Neff. Well, not even the Spectrum ones. I've I've done the Lemon RX uh, DSMX too. I mean, not uh, DSMX, and I've had no issues with that. Oh, those have been okay. Okay. Yeah, I think it's it's just it's not the brand per se. I think it's the the protocol. Oh, okay. That DSM and DSM two is just so old and unreliable, in my opinion. Yeah, I can't remember if it was DSM two. It could could have been. I I don't know. I was so such a noob back mm-hmm. then. So uh, let's see. Orientation crash. I have one here for the Oxy three cube. I was about one and a half to two mistakes high. I mean, for the Oxy, I don't know what that really is, but I was probably about a hundred feet up there. Uh, <laughs> It's such a small heli, so like it was basically, I'm I'm far sighted a little bit, so that's why I'm pretty good with far sighted things, reading things or reading signs. But you know this 300 or 250 size, 300 size heli, 100 feet out, no, probably about 60 feet out and 100 feet up. So whatever that line of sight from you know that angle is, the actual distance, I don't know, but it was small near. But you know, you want when you learn something new, you do it high up, and you kind of do it f- away from you, so just in case something goes wrong, you don't hurt yourself. So um, I was trying for the first time in real life pure flips with that, and this was where I didn't know what I was doing. I just know muscle memorization in the sim. I would just I would pop up the collective a little, go left rudder, take the stick, and go up. And around <laughs> like a circle. Yeah. So I didn't know the timing or nothing. Um, so it was the first time doing it in real life, you know. I didn't know. So I I did the first time and I was with uh, Anthony. And I was like, cool, here, I'm going to try. He's like, do it, man. I was like, okay, I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it, you know. You know he's, I'm still hovering there. I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it. I was like, all right, screw it. I'm trying it. And I did it and it kind of looked really ugly. It didn't look like a pure flip. But I was like, oh, I saved it. It's upright again. Woo. Woo. And I look over, I don't look over, but I talk over to him and like, you know, kind of move my head over. And I was like, yeah, I, I totally lost orientation there. <laughs> and then I'm like, all right, let's try it again. <laughs> <laughs> and this time it was just like, I didn't know if it was inverted, but it was like kind of tail in or, or what. And I just was like, it was falling about, fell about probably about 15 feet. And at that point, I'm just like. Okay, I don't know what orientation it is. I didn't have rescue or anything. I'm like, all right, throttle hold. And it just came smashing down. Wow. I broke a lot of things on this one. Yeah, I think I remember this one. I remember seeing pictures of this. Yeah, I think all three blades, all spindles, main shaft, main gear, tail, frame. I want to say I cracked the frame on that. Yep. The bottom. Yeah, the frame, the landing gears wet. Damn. I stripped one or two servos on the cyclic. Yeah, this one was a bad crash. The only thing I didn't break was the, the, the tail assembly as far as like the tail box and uh, I broke the tail fin. But I didn't break like the tail shaft was a bit. I didn't bend any of the, um, not spindles, but they're kind of like, I guess what spindles would be on the tail. Right. Uh, on the cube tail. So like that was probably one of my most expensive repairs because I had to get frames and blades and like just all these like major parts for it. I think it was almost about 150 or maybe around that or a little bit more. Wow. Yeah. 
and then I stopped doing pure flips after that. I stopped practicing it in real life and went back to the sim. Uh, that was kind of like, oh yeah, I'm not ready for this. Yeah, I I I I, I got to set up self level or I don't think I set up on that, but at the time, but now I do. But I got to learn to use it. I I know it could have saved that crash for me because it could have just flipped it upright. I could have just collective pitch up, you know, get out of it, find my orientation, and then. I think the last time I used self-level was with the OxyCube, and I was this is like a month or two ago. Oh, at least at least a month or two ago, I had done something stupid, lost orientation, was coming down, and it gets to that point where you're like, "There's nothing I can do. I might as well hit some buttons here." And I yeah. remember pushing the button and hitting throttle hold like at the same time, almost like just pushing the button first, and I was like, "All right, it's going in," and then hitting throttle hold right before I. Oh, so you didn't try to like because self level on the icons will bring it up right. It might not yeah. be tailing or it might be like siding or nosing, but it'll make it up right. If I was to do it again that low, I'd probably have to give it some throttle to punch it out, you know? Yeah. Because I probably didn't realize that. Mm-hmm. Well, I, you know what? When a new firmware comes out, you won't even need to worry about that. Really? Yeah. There's a new icon firmware that's in beta right now um, that gives you rescue like the V-bars. It'll self-level and pop up 10 feet. And I saw a video clip. Dude, I think it gives V-bar a run for his money for the rescue. Really? Because if you're inverted, it will punch out. It would level inverted, punch out, then flip over, and then punch out even more. Really? Wow. Yeah, so you can practice low inverted stuff, and it'll give it like a foot up, flip over, and then go up 10 feet. Damn. Yeah. That'll be cool. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> that's going to be awesome for you, for you and, and Rick and, you know, the, the all the icon flyers that are MSH brain flyers out there. I'm really, you know, I'm racking my brain trying to think of. I know, don't get me wrong, dude, I've had a lot of crashes, but I'm mm-hmm. trying to think of, like, one that would come up that I would uh, think that was, was orientation or misjudging. I, I, like, I think almost every helicopter crash I've had has been orientation. I know a couple at Green Palm with the 450X you did. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'd lose orientation and just, yeah, dump it. <laughs> yeah, they'll just come in and be like, okay. And definitely with multi-rotors too, man, if I was in flying oh, FPV. Yeah. Yeah, that's hard. Which is probably one of the ones I should mention is uh, I think one of them was orientation, but the way we used to fly, we kind of just used to hang out all together. So I can remember there being a time where I probably didn't realize what orientation I was in with the Electro Hub and somebody walked like close to where it was coming and I just dumped it. Like the, there was one guy that used to show up. Uh, I think his name was John with his two kids. Yeah. And I, I think I remember getting close to the kids or something, and I was like, oh, I'm just dumping it. Yeah. You know, I don't know what orientation it is. The kids are around somewhere, you know, mm-hmm. just, just dump it. A lot of crashes at Green Pond. Well, that's where we were kind of in our novice stage, I would think. Yeah, first two years. Say. Yeah. So uh, this one's a fun one with the Great Plains Kunai. Yeah. Um, this is a misjudge or misjudgment, not an orientation. I had perfect knowledge and confidence in my orientation, but I didn't have good judgment on how far the plane is from a tree. So at our green pond field that we used to fly at, there's a, you know, in the parking area when you pull in, there's a big evergreen. How tall would you think that is? Like 100 feet? No, I don't think it was that tall. 
maybe like 60 or 80. I don't know. It felt pretty tall. (laughs) Our bucket truck only goes up, I think that's 35 feet or 40 feet. That thing will go up. So, yeah, maybe maybe 60 feet. Yeah, because it was kind of maxed out. Like, it it was kind of when when you were doing a recovery, it felt like it was almost maxing out your truck's um, arm. Yeah. So, you know, I was coming around, coming kind of away from, you know, far from me, left to right. And then I was making my final approach to land. So usually you can do two methods. You could come to the left of the tree or you could come around the tree or above it and then come down like, the you know, the field right to left. And I guess I chose to come on the left side of the tree. So I kind of cut the the angle short. And, you know, this is I was behind a tree high up and I was making my approach. So I was coming down towards the tree and low. And I guess I misjudged how close I was because I ended up going right into the tree. Yeah. <laughs> About, I would say, yeah, 35, 40 feet up. Split the wings up. Uh, cracked the, the fiberglass portion of the fuselage a little. I think the tail was cracked too. And then I lost the canopy. Yeah. And basically, uh, dude, man, you're the man. <laughs> you really hooked it up. Yeah, but that was that was at the time where I think I had just started with the company I work for. It didn't really dawn on me. It wasn't something. It wasn't like I used a bucket truck a lot. We just have one that we use when we get to certain situations where we need it. Sure. So yeah, I was like, I wasn't even really thinking. I was just like, you know, because after a while we're like, should we climb a tree? How are we going to get this thing out? Oh, we'll come back. And then I was like, wait a minute, I got a bucket truck. I can go get. Yeah. It's going to take me a little while, but I can go get it. So what was it? The next day was it or? Yeah, I think it was. I think it was because. Uh, I think I drove it home the next day and, and went right up there. Yeah. Kevin, you know, in his harness, his hard hat, gets in the bucket truck. Dude, I'm Johnny Safety, man. Dude, totally. And you, you, went, you know, like, I mean, you, like, had to park on uneven dirt on the truck with the arms out and everything. Um, and just, you know, you went all in. That arm was almost straight. It yeah. was up there. And then even then you had trouble reaching for it. You, I remember you had to, like. Yeah, I came back down to get the grounding we have this grounding cable. It must be like zero gauge or something. Mm-hmm. And it's super thick, like grounding cable. I remember getting that and like, yeah, I was still like six feet away from it. I had to like throw it around the branch. And, and that's the point where these guys like kill themselves in those things. Cause they'll, they'll either climb out of the bucket or, you know, they want to reach harness at the harness on to begin with. Yeah. And they'll do something stupid and get flipped out of it. Cause even if you, even with the harness on, if you don't, if you flip out of that bucket and you don't get down within like 20, 30 minutes, the harness is going to cut off circulation in your legs and you could die from that. Wow. Like it's not something you should be hanging out all day in, you know? Sure. From what we've heard, I mean. That's got to be uncomfortable. Yeah. So yeah, I threw that freaking wire or that cable around the tree and like was able to get it close enough to, to grab it. Yep. And it came down and you know what? Some epoxy. A little bit of balsa because, yeah, the wing was like there's like big gashes in the wings and stuff. I put some new balsa on, covered it back up in those sections, and to this day, I still fly this plane. Yeah, dude, you did a great job of fixing that thing. It doesn't fly great, but it still flies. (laughs) Yeah. I still have fun with it. Yeah, and while we're talking about the great plane's kunai, I can remember Mm -hmm. slamming mine into the ground. Yeah. Up there, same field. I think I was inverted, and I, I used to like to do low inverted passes, and Chad, one of the guys that used to come up and fly with us every now and then, 
he was like off to my right. I was coming around to my right. Couldn't see it. He said something to me that, and it wasn't his fault. I shouldn't have, and I think I was sitting down at the time too. I wasn't even standing up and I could, like, he's a tall guy, so I couldn't even yeah. see the plane. Don't know what happened to it. It started heading towards the road and I think I just pulled like straight down elevator and just drove it straight into the ground. Yeah. Like nosed it in. And I fixed that one. I did a pretty crappy fix on it, but that thing still flies. I still fly that today. Yeah. That's a that's a great plane to fly. It really is. And you still have an extra one, right? Yeah, and I still have the kit. I bought another kit. Yeah. Still in the box, man. You should sell that. I know. I got so many things I should sell. Yeah, but at least that's like a brand new kit unopened, like, or even if it's open, you know, like it's new, you know, pretty much new in box. Brand new. I never even opened it. Oh, you haven't even opened it? No, I, my plan was to just take all the stuff out and put it in a new one. But once I was looking, at it, I was like, you know what? This isn't really too bad. I could probably fix this. Mm-hmm. I needed another spar, and the spar that comes with it is carbon fiber, and it's. I probably could have went to the hobby shop, the local hobby yeah. shop, to get something. But I was like, you know what? A piece of piece of bamboo will fit right in there. And I'm like, well, as long as I don't do any crazy like dives and pull out of the, any dives real quick, I should be all right. And I've, I've flown that thing like nuts, man. It's yeah, it's still fine. I still remember when you like just fix it. I'm like, yeah, so just go fold down and pull up. You know, you're like, yeah. no, I'm gonna break the I'm my wooden spar. Stupid bamboo. Yeah. So, you know, that plane does break, but it is definitely repairable. I, I don't think... Uh, There's not a lot to it. Yeah, I don't think it's like a crash, you know. It's a pile of sticks that's put in the garbage, you know. Yeah. So, I do like that plane, and that is one of the planes that I, I do when I fly. I like to bring out. I like it because it's so versatile. You can throw it up. You can do a lot. Of, you can do speed runs with it, and it, mm-hmm. it sounds awesome. And then if you do flaps, you know, you, you hit the flaps on it, you can search for thermals and really glide that thing around yeah it's really cool you you definitely fly more like a glider right and i fly more like a hotliner or a warm liner like just full throttle bank yeah. tank, you know just get that thing flying fast it is a great plane though we do recommend it at least i recommend it for sure yeah yeah we even got jim to buy it from our club right i think he I don't even know if he flew it or he saw us flying it, and he was like, "Oh, I gotta get one of those." Yeah, I think he knew about it. Yeah, he actually he actually picked it up from my local hobby shop guy. Oh, and that was a used one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. used in uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. He got a good deal on it. And I think I was talking about it because I was talking about Timaj, you know, the hobby shop owner. That oh, you know, I got this plane. It's really it's really fun, you know, for a sailplane or whatever, a warm liner. And one of his customers overheard me, and we started talking about it. I was like, yeah, I mean, it's like. 200 bucks really not that much and it, it flies pretty good i think he flew it like a couple times and was like it's too slow for me <laughs> really so, yeah well this the, this certain customer that I'm, I'm referring to is one of those people that i guess i don't know if they just have too much they have deep pockets oh but it's like i mean i've, I've heard stories where he'll buy a goblin the, the latest Goblin, Goblin 380, boom, buys it when it gets released, builds it, all top quality stuff, flies five packs and then sells it. And he's done that with pretty much every single Goblin, every single helicopter. You know, he bought Dominator, HD, Fast Shark goggles. And like, a, he told me like three days later, he was like, I don't know, I don't like them. So I sold them, <laughs> sold them on RC groups, you know. Jeez. Like, I think he's one of those people that just, 
like I'm really happy right off the bat with something, they're not going to keep it. And they don't care that they take a loss at it, you know? Instead of like trying it out and get used to it and see if, you know, give it give it an actual minute to see if you like it or not kind of deal. So. Yeah, you might need some adjustments like on the radio, you know. How do you, how do you know after five flights? Look at me yeah. with the Sequoia, dude. How many years have I been flying that? Two. Mm-hmm. And now I'm flying it in 3D mode and I'm going, holy crap, this is a completely different plane. Right, right, exactly. Uh, you know, and there's different folks in the hobby, so it is what it is. Yeah, to each his own. Yes, exactly. So this was, uh, if I would say most, to go kind of go into, f- not the funniest crash story, but it was kind of funny now that I look back at it. It was my Blade 450 crash, and I think I mentioned it on a show once, but uh, yeah, this one was like total oh crap moment, oh crap moment. Like, So I was flying. Back when I was in Green Pond, and it kind of shows how much I improved um, over the years, that like I would just go left to right stall turns, right? It would be right to left, go up, stall turn, come back, stall turn, go the other way, go tail in, and then do some flips, and then stop. Right. I, I rarely ever did figure eights or circuits, and I think I started doing figure eights at the time, and I started getting used to it. And I wanted to do a hurricane. I wanted to do a full circle with a good amount of angle on the, the helicopter banking it over knife edge and good amount of collective, good amount of elevator and a little bit of cyclic, like trying to get that thing to hurricane around. So I was about 100 feet up or 80 feet up in the air. And, you know, I, I kind of went out and I started initiating the hurricane. And it started, if I was looking at, a, I guess, a circle in front of me or a clock, let's say, right? I started at like 3 o'clock and started going counterclockwise. 12 was good. You know, 9 was good. And then 8 o'clock hit. And that's when I was like, uh, <laughs> I kind of lost orientation control. Like, I knew which orientation it was, but like, I didn't. Yeah, it gets to that one point where you're like, yeah. what do I do? You know what to do, but you don't. It's now it's now facing. You kind of second guess yourself, really. Yeah, you second guess yourself. You get nervous because the helicopter's. I mean, it was above me, but it was still coming at me in that direction, right? So you kind of get nervous. What ended up happening is I didn't pull enough on the elevator, so my circle was it ended up going wide, and then it went above my head. And as soon as it went above my head, I totally lost orientation control. I didn't know what control to do what. I ended up giving negative and pushing that helicopter out behind me, which is a two-lane road. Yep. At that point, I hit throttle hold, and I was like, I'm just going to let the helicopter come down, and hopefully it doesn't hit any cars. Luckily, the helicopter landed on the double yellow line. And it's a 450 helicopter, right? It's running 325s. It's not a big heli. It's People aren't going to see it on the road. But, yeah. uh, you know, being that it was on the yellow line, I was hoping that no one's going to run over it. Um, yeah, we were always deathly afraid of anything going out over that road because we – that yeah. that spot was a clutch spot, and we didn't want to really lose it. So we yeah. were always really careful about mm-hmm. going in that direction. Yeah, really careful about it. And, and you know, like this was a big, this was a a hard crash on uh, on concrete on the pavement. Yeah, pavement. So you know, I didn't know if the battery was going to light on fire or what's going to happen. I didn't. You know, there's a lot of motorcyclists and car enthusiasts driving back and forth. You know, spiritedly, and I don't know, like if a motorcycle was. You know, if he hits that, he might lose his front wheel. 
and then you know cause a crash like i don't <laughs> want that on my on my conscience you know so i'm freaking out i'm like holy crap i need to get over this and there's a big fence what was it like maybe yeah it's like six or eight feet no it's more than six feet because six feet i could climb that's that's like it's gotta be eight or ten feet yeah so it's a bit of a climb. It's, you know, chain I'm, link fence. Yeah. Chain link fence. You know, I'm not that athletic to climb over this fence. Uh, so I was freaking out. I walked down to the right to see if there's a break in the fence. No break. I run back the other way and I'm like, oh, man, I mean, it would have I would have had to go. Yeah. Back to where we pull in. Back to the parking lot around the barn that used to be there. Yeah. Then come down the street and. At one moment, I just look at the fence, and there's like a low spot on the fence where the f- ground is lower than the fence. And I think I just went to you and said, just try to pull up the fence. I'm going to go underneath. <laughs> and I'm like shuffling underneath through it, and you know, and the cars are going by, and I'm like waiting, waiting like Frogger. Okay, do I go? Do I go? All right. No cars now. And I run out there, and I grab you know, the heli and any little parts I could find real quick and bring it back in. And I was just like, oh, my God, close call, like as far as having caused additional accidents or issues. Yeah, so, that's the worst thing, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, after that, I was again, you know, when I, I learned from these things were or not I learned from it. But I think this is a phrase you like to say, um, you know, when when whenever I say like I'm getting pretty confident with something, you know, the helicopter will smack you back down like, you know. <laughs> Yeah, we'll straighten that right out. Yeah, we'll straighten that right out for confidence. Right, and sure enough, like after that, I was like, no, no more circuits, no more hurricanes for me. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen you try to do a hurricane since then. Well, I do now at a field. Do you? I don't. I don't think I've. Uh, maybe a little bit. I I do hurricanes. I do upright, you know, forward flight, not hurricanes per se, but I bank them and I do circuits. Yeah, and I, I do. Like to the right of me and 100 feet up. Like, I don't, I, you know, if I'm going to lose control, it's going to be where there's no cars parked or no people there, you know? Because to me, a hurricane is tail down orientation and it's basically going around in a circle with the tail down. No, that's a funnel. Oh, that's a funnel? All right. Well, what the yeah. hell's a hurricane then? Hurricane is this upright or inverted forward flight or, you know, backwards, like backwards flight. Basically, the helicopter is just banked. Like, if you know when I'm doing a, an aileron TikTok, the helicopter's banked like that. Yeah. It's like that, but doing a circle. Oh, well, geez. I do some of the turns I do are like half hurricanes then. Yeah. Yeah. But with the hurricane, what ends up happening is you it's all collective and a little bit of elevator or a little bit collect, um, cyclic. It's all collective. You're just powering that heli with a lot of, yeah. collective, you know, and you do that like when you do your quick bank turns, right? Where you tilt the heli 90 degrees, knife edge it. Yeah. And you're pulling. You're pulling collective and, and and down elevator. Yep. That's part of a hurricane. If you kept on with that and could keep it level, that would be a full hurricane. Like oh, you know, okay. an upright skids out hurricane. Okay. Yeah. So I mean I kinda stopped doing that and and, and one of the things I really need to I really want to learn is hurricanes and funnels. I want to learn them. Yeah, funnels I've tried on the sim and I don't know how guys get into it or you know, get into that orientation and keep it going. I find funnels to be super easy to get into. Yeah. I I think I've done them by accident, but not actually like planned. Well, I mean, you see me always get into them. I get into them. I get into, I initiate, I go into a funnel 
a lot of times when I fly. Like it's part of my normal moves that I do. So if I'm going, I always do this going left to right. So I, I'll do some kind of stall turn or TikToks or whatever, and I'll come back tail down and I'll tail in. And then as I'm coming closer to me, I'll bank the helicopter and fly backwards. Oh, okay. And yeah, then, yeah. And then at a certain point when I'm flying backwards in a, and I start doing a cir- circuit, I end up giving too much uh, rudder, which ends up then makes it into a funnel. And a lot of times I bail out. And I think the, that the video that you recorded on my phone for Javier, that video, I actually do a full like circuit with the tail down. And then I bail out from it. Because I kind of lose it at the end when it got for you know kind of far away. So, yeah, to get back to the crashes, yeah. Once I usually crash, my confidence goes down in that maneuver, and I basically stop doing it until I can do it on the sim again, and kind of like, and then I'll try to be safe about it, like really as safe as I can be, far away, very high up, in a in an area where if we were to go down in any way. We would have enough time to say heads up, clear, like you know, like give people warning, and or um, dump the heli away from folks. So, well, once you get to the point where you're flying something decent, like that's a reliable, you know, helicopter, like the Oxys and Goblins, and less and less of it's mechanical. It's good to know that when you crash, why you crashed, like mm-hmm. what caused it, and because. Sure, I, I don't know about it, anybody else, but I found that that helps me out a lot when I do something that, especially something that scares the crap out of you. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go off on a little tangent but uh, uh-huh. myself, but when I worked for the phone company, we had uh, four days to learn how to climb poles with spikes on. And I can remember day two cutting out and slipping, and I was like, that scared the crap out of me because now you're not only – going to fall but you're going to fall from high up and you got all these splinters sticking off the pole yeah as well how much you can grab right so driving home the whole way home i thought what did i do wrong and your instinct is to hold uh, as tightly as you can to the telephone pole when in fact you get the correct angle so you don't cut out as they say you're supposed to have, be back at arm's length wait wait so when you're climbing the pole just for me to picture it is it like when they have a rope and they like swing the rope and like lean back and then they move their feet up and then swing the rope up again and yeah lean yeah that's uh, the rope is basically your belt your belt yeah but it's you don't a- connect that up until you're all the way up there so what you have to do is you have to climb up first but when you're climbing is it you do you have handles like is it with the spikes on the side no it's just you with two ten penny nails on your feet like climbing the telephone pole and what do you grab onto the actual telephone pole like yeah, you have if you if you if you look down at the telephone pole in quadrants, mm-hmm. like if you were to look down at straight down from the top of the telephone pole, you would have four quadrants as you went around the telephone pole. The two that are on the that are two that are facing on away from you, that's where you put your hands. The two that are closer to you is where you cut it where you dig in with your with, with your hooks, yeah. yeah. Right. So huh. if if you actually but you're supposed to keep your body weight out a little further. And there's a correct way to climb it, too, you know. But they said that, you know, most of the falling comes from guys that try to get too close to the telephone pole because then you're not getting the correct angle as the spike goes in. Sure. And then, yeah, the spikes can slip out. So basically, in a long way around, I'm saying, you know, I I thought about that the whole way. I didn't let it really get to me where I was going to be afraid to do it again the next Mm -hmm. day. I just went the next day and I said, "I, I know what I did wrong. I have to. 
correct it and try again. Mm-hmm. And that was tough for me because, I mean, I don't. Nobody likes falling. <laughs> yeah, and, no one uh, wants to die like that at least. <laughs> and you don't, you know, you don't get to. You have to be qualified to do that. I mean, so and it's your only, your only way to really advance in the company at the time. Right. But I I bitched the whole time. <laughs> Imagine that. But I was like, <laughs> the year 2000, and I got to climb a pole with 10 penny nails on my feet. I can't get a freaking bucket truck. You know, I was like, you guys got to be kidding me. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so, yeah. That's that's what I'm talking about. Like, if you have a close call, with, with especially with the helicopters, man, you uh-huh. need to know what you did wrong. You need to not let it really, you know, unless you have an injury or something like that. I mean, then you're you're well within your correct frame of mind to let it get to you. I, you know, sure, I don't yeah. know what I would do, but you know, think about what you did wrong, yeah, and um, and take it slow and make sure you correct from it. I think there are different types of folks out there in the world, and there's folks that fail and give up, and there's folks that fail and figure out why they failed and. Per- you know, pers- like, and continue on, you know, persevere, right? Persevere. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and then, like, you know, you see, like, people who, like, say, like, the those stunt, like, dirt bike riders, the ones that fly in the air and, like, do the Superman, let go, you know, kick their feet, right. all this stuff. You know, I mean, like, you, for me to see that, I'm like, how the hell do you do that? Like, how do you ever get to a point where you're doing 100-foot jumps in the air, flying, letting go of the bike, grabbing the bike back, putting it underneath you and landing? Like, how do you ever get to a point to do stuff like that? And I'm sure, I mean, you know, you talk to some of these folks and they're like, yeah, I've pretty much broken every bone in my body. You know, same thing with the crazy snowboarders. I, I see folks, you know, doing 720s off of half pipes and I talk to them like, hey, you know, wow, that was an awesome run. How do you get to a point where you're able to do that? And it's just like, you just go for it. And if you, you know, come down hard and you hurt yourself, you heal up. And then once you're better, you just do it again until you get it. Learn from it and just keep on, you know, persevering. Like, you got to, you can't give up. And that's the thing. Like, same thing with people who fly helicopters, right? Like, RC helicopters. A lot of people, it's it's a lot of confidence. It's a lot of mind games because... Or planes, dude. Or planes, yeah. It doesn't really matter, right? You see people all the time at the field that, that come out and, you know, have tried it a few times, and mm-hmm. and then give up and or just say you know I oh, tried it me. yeah it wasn't for me uh, maybe I yeah. can get back in it one day or whatever it's just like yeah. no dude you just gotta yeah keep you're trying. making excuses at that point like right you know don't make excuses there's a learning curve for anything you want to be good at anything there's a learning curve and you have to you have to tough it out you got to do it you know right and everybody's crashed I, I if somebody came up to me and told me they never crashed I'd be like I don't believe you. Yeah. I don't believe or, that. Or I'd be like, well, then what can you do? If you didn't sim, okay, I, you know, one thing about, you know, folks who sim a lot, which I'll mention some, uh, a little tangent story in a minute, but people who sim a lot often don't crash as much as someone who's just going straight into it, especially for helicopter. And it's like, it's crazy because, yeah, like if you don't crash, then what do you do? Like you just sit there tail and hover and then land? Yeah. Right? Like, I mean, what, what, kind, what kind of moves can you do? What can you do? Can you forward fly? Can you go inverted? Can you do anything? You know, it's like it's part of the hobby. You, you're gonna crash. It's it's just like a motorcycle. It's like it's not when you. It's not you know if you go down. It's when you go down. Right? Like it's like telling me you're a guitar player and you've never broken a string. I, right. I just don't believe it. It's part right? of like or never song. miss a note or whatever. Like it happens. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And you just have to persevere. You need it's, to. Just, it's the way you deal with it. 
Right. And I think that's part of the reason why, you know, you're getting really good at flying helicopters. I, you know, I'm definitely seeing improvement in my flying, you know, like. Oh, dude, you were tearing it up this weekend. Like, because I was like, holy crap, I was watching that. You had a, re- a really good flight. and I don't even know what I was doing. <laughs> I don't know either, man. I was like, dude, he's freaking ripping it up. Like, yeah, was I just you've doing gotten a lot better. Or, or was, did it look like a routine? Like, was I doing moves back to back or something? Like, I don't. I usually feel like all I do is TikToks, flips, and a little bit of reverse flying. Like, I don't feel like I ever do. And those, those, I guess we'll call them leapfrogging. Yeah. I don't know. That's all I do. I do like five moves. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm getting to the point where I feel that too. I got to hit the sim a little more and work on something yeah. else. Oh, I think I know what I was doing. I was going inverted. I was doing something because I saw you do it. It was like you go inverted and then you fly out of it. Yeah. And, it, and then you turn a little and then, you know, you could either bail out or you or you could I could go into a move. You know, do yeah, I think you were doing some inverted flying. Okay. And which, you know, I'm pushing myself because I see you do it. You know, like, oh, crap. <laughs> he's going he's gonna to surpass me now. I, I need to, you know, like, and, and, and not that I care that you surpass me. But I'm dedicating so much of my f- flight time and hobby time into helicopters. I gotta keep progressing. I yeah, gotta- you want to, yeah, yeah, you know, for sure. <laughs> so let's uh, go back to the main topic here. I th- I think that's kind of what I had for orientation and misjudgment. I know there's gonna be hundreds of other crashes with yeah. this, but I just you know it doesn't. It's not coming to my head right now. So we'll move on to dumb thumbing and failures. So. Crash is basically caused by something failing on your plane, heli, multi-rotor, or you basically thinking, and I guess this is kind of orientation-based, but, you know, you dumb-thumbing it. Like, you think you got it, but you don't, or, you know, so. I can say that the number one on this list should be reversing of ailerons, dude. That, like. That's you. For, That's your for planes. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Yeah, I, <laughs> I've seen guys go on YouTube and like uh-huh. and put in ailerons reversed. Like I've seen guy, I saw this guy with a gorgeous balsa Corsair put it up and aileron reversed, flip it right over and drive it straight in. Yeah, I saw this guy with uh, a P fifty one foam Mustang. That was me. <laughs> yeah, and you know I did a nice little running <laughs> hand launch. <laughs> and that too, and that was like after like almost two years of flying. I should have known better. Yeah, still do it. Oh, you just basically went right. It started going right, and you just kept on going right. (laughs) And as soon as you do it, you know exactly what you did. Yeah, yeah. Oh, definitely. You know it in a helicopter or in a plane. Like, you're like, wait a minute. I went right. It should have gone left. I mean, I went left, and it should have gone right. But nope, it went more right. I, I'm an idiot. (laughs) Like, you know, right off the bat. Yeah, I've I've done that three times, man. I've learned from it. I know what it looks Mm -hmm. like when it happens, but I still do it from from time to time and it's usually yeah. on those models where you have the the two ailerons no y harness and you're plugging them into you know the aux channel and the aileron channel yeah and i think um i think we've gotten better at it though like at least for me every time if i'm gonna maiden especially mating a new plane yeah. i stand there and i'm like okay left right right left okay rudder down you know like you know left right the ft video with the high fives helped me out a lot with that i don't get it Oh, you don't get it? When you move the aileron stick to the right, you should get a high high five from the right. Oh, it's supposed to go up right. Okay. Yeah. When you. What about the rudder? 
when you move the rudder to the left, it should give you a high five to the left. <laughs> no, but that's going together. That's not going towards each other, right? Because like, okay, so the ailerons, if I'm moving the stick to the left and I have the controller right over the plane, your left aileron will move up, kind of getting closer to it, right? Right. So that high five motion, like two things yeah. trying to come closer. With the rudder, if I go left, the rudder's going left. Yeah. I don't know. I'm confused. See, I think that's where I get confused with the rudder. But I, I you know, I know my control surfaces. Does that happen on helicopters? Not really. Well, so with the helicopters, I've done the same thing, sort of. I have back in the day when I was doing the, the 450 clones, the flybard mm. 450 clones, and the DX6 setup where it was like you totally – it wasn't like you had you had no flybar. It was like with the gyro mm-hmm. uh, on the back. So, yeah, I definitely had screwed that up, I think, in every aspect of setting that up. My thing was not the cyclic. It, wasn't the, it was never the right stick. But it was always the rudder. I always get yeah. confused which way the rudder, the pitch slider has to go. I know which way it has to correct, but I don't know. Like, if I go left, does the lever go opposite or does it come with me on the left stick? Like, Well, I always I, look at the leading edge of the, the tail blades and I say, well, they're going to bite this way. That means the tail, the, that the, whatever the way the leading edge goes yes. is which the way the the way that the tail is going to go. The tail is going to rotate, yes, and that's what it is. Which and, is opposite of which way the nose is going to go. Mm-hmm. And, but, and that was another thing was, too what I was going to say with those 450s uh-huh. the flybard ones with the gyros man dude I would have yeah I, like you're saying I would have the tail blades reversed or not <laughs> correct then there was a reverse your gyro setting on the gyro for the, the rudder and I'm like I used to get so freaking confused I at one point had that thing you would spool it up you get to like 50% throttle and it would just start doing pirouettes on the ground yeah so like oh man that means you're Thank God for icon. It's so worth the well, hundred not, freaking bucks. It's not the icon though. It's that's your compensation, right? Your your flight check, right? Where you tilt right, the heli. It's so easy to set up nowadays. I mean, and and I ripped that fly bar right off of there, you know. Yeah, I mean, but the the icons do it in a simpler way because you tell the icon which orientation it's mounted. Right. With that, it knows which way the tail should, which way the actual icon should rotate. Yeah. So which way is compensating? So as long as you have your your uh, movement right. So if you go left, the nose goes left, the tail goes right. Like you have that lever, the you know, the tail push rod and all that set up right. Then the the corrections are automatically set because of the orientation of the unit. With the old gyros, you actually what you're mentioning is you had to say, okay. Compensation is it reverse or standard, like normal? Right. Which, which way do you have to do it? And and you know, once you learn how the the slider moves when you when you test it, when you do your pre-flight check, then it's easy to re- realize that. We're you know. like pre-flight check. Back in the day, I would have been like, "What's a pre-flight check?" Uh, my EC, <laughs> it spools up. I guess we're good. No. Yeah, spools up. I'm out in the driveway. Yeah, take off or not. Yeah, and I've had that with the 450. It was like, just peering like crazy. It's like, oop, I think I, mean, I don't have. Don't get me wrong. I got that thing flying actually pretty good at, at some points. It was so inconsistent. The Flybar uh, 450 T-Rex? Yeah. Yeah. I'd hover it a few times in the driveway. It would hover great. It'd be real responsive. I could put it where I wanted, and then I'd go out mm-hmm. and fly it, and it would just be a mess. I remember when you busted that out. 
I don't know if that was the first time we met. Did I have that the first time? I think so. I might have. Yeah, because I think we were talking about it. And I was like, oh, you fly helis? Awesome. You should bring it out. Um, yeah, and, never out of idle up. Yeah, you, you were flying in normal <laughs> mode. And, and that was you're, it. You're like not smacking around, but you were throwing it around. But it looks so unstable, and it looks so like I was like, "Okay, take a step back, take a step back." <laughs> like, yeah, that was pretty janky. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> let's let's go into this. Dumb thumbs and failures. FT Mini Guinea crashed. Uh, yeah, I've I've crashed version one and version two just so many times. Um, my problem was I think the the foam, and I think just the way I built it, I kind of add. I cut out the, the little holes, like the little panels, and the panels weaken everything down. So I've I've been I've crashed the Mini Guinea a lot. I've rebuilt it a lot, fixed it a lot. And one of the things that um, sucks about the Mini Guinea when you know you have the under camber wing ends, and they're sort of pretty big. They're like probably about three, four inches of under camber uh, on the tips. And when it breaks there from a crash, from you know a tip over or whatever. Um, you lose that aileron because it folds the aileron in half, and at that point the servo can't move it. Oh, so you lose that aileron, and you now you only have one on one side, and it's not really flyable with one. So, yeah, but I, I crashed that quite a bit of times, and I, I would kind of consider that as a when I crash, it's usually dumb thumbing it. Like I just dumb out for a second while I'm like doing circuits because you know sometimes if I'm not pushing myself, I kind of get bored. You know, so I think one day at the field, all I was doing is flying it inverted. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say that's like the time where I've dumb thumb stuff yeah. is is inverted flying planes inverted especially. Mm-hmm. But um, it hasn't led to anything because I usually don't. I'm usually not turning low to the ground. I mean, sometimes yeah, but that's only if I've had a couple <laughs> circuits. You know, okay. I had some circuits around and. Did you have you had any failures? I guess I guess the flight test right with the. The Spitfires, that's definitely a failure with the DSM-2 receivers. Yeah, and that the only crash I had on the 200% Mustang was the first time I flew it at Flight Fest 2014, I, where exact same thing, I had an orange receiver in it. Mm. Flew it around, I got to the other end of the field, and it was like I lost power, and I went in, and I, I couldn't even see it because it was like down, you know, the, the landscape had sloped down a little bit. Okay. And I was like, oh, crap, it's done. But I went over there, and the landing gear popped off, and it went through the wing. So it was like one little hole through the wing, mm-hmm. and I fixed that. And I th- I took that orange receiver out and put a Spectrum 6 channel in there and flew it for the rest of the time I was there. Still flying it with that. Nice. Neff was fun. My pushbacker. <laughs> so so before Neff, um, when I made it at our field, I was trying to do a touch and go, and I kind of slammed down on it. <laughs> Um, folded the landing gears back. I, it's in the, I have a video of it I could link, but um, you know, I mean, I guess that's a dumb thumb. Like I just, I, I came way too low, way too quick. Um, trying to do a touch and go. <laughs> but then at Neff, all I was doing was I would taxi it out there, take off, go with the pattern, the oval, chew through a plane. I don't know what's with that, but every time I go around, like someone tosses a plane in the air and it goes right into it, or or someone's flying next to me and cuts me off and I go into him. Like, oh man, I think it was basically I had the first battery pack, you know, which I flew for like four minutes or five minutes, 
and chewed up like three or four planes with it. <laughs> oh, jeez, I didn't know it was that much. Yeah, like on the one battery pack. It was all one battery pack. I only flew that thing like two or three times, and then I got I started getting real nervous because I'm, I'm like chopping up planes in the air, you know, and they're foamy planes I'm chopping up. So, yeah, you can rebuild them, but like I I I mean, there's one UMX Radiant I I saw. The kid just <laughs> tossed it out as my plane was coming down the flight line, and I was just like, and it just went right into plane, and I just saw that ha- half of one side of the wing just go slice right off, and it just floated down, with, you know, without that wing half, and I was like, ooh, yeah, I hope the kid's not upset. I, I think someone said he might have been crying. I don't know. So oh, sorry. Dude. It wasn't my fault. He threw the plane right into my plane. You yeah. know? Well, I had to, I had to crash with the, the baby blender or with that kid that had the, I forget what it was. It was oh, a UMX plane. Yeah, like a P40, P40 or something. P40, I think, yeah. or something. Oh, dude, the look on that kid's face. I could still oh, you see were it telling now. me. Yeah. I felt so bad. But I was just, you know, I'm, I'm, it's a baby blender. I'm not doing acrobatics with it. I was just flying it straight. Yeah, and, you're just flying and a pattern. And he just yeah, whipped around like right in front of me. Oh, boy. So I remember with the Bushwhacker, the first plane that I had, a, you know, an incident with was like this foamy 3D plane. Not like a Crack Beaver or, you know, um, Crack Yak or any of those type of 3D planes. It was kind of like more of the thicker EPP foam, I guess. It, it almost looked like the uh, Laser Toys planes. Okay. And... You know, he was flying around, I was flying around, and, you know, we just ended up turning into each other. Um, not, you know, I, w- I wouldn't say it's my mistake or his. It's just an incident. It just happened, right? Like, I it cut a big chunk of his wingtip off, and, you know, he was like, ah, you know, he was like, not cursing, but he was, like, kind of mad. And I was like, dude, sorry about it. And he was like, yeah, don't worry about it. You know, it happens. You know, and he was like, yeah, that was my maiden. And I was like, oh, crap, made me feel the worse, you know. But later on that day, you, that kid that you crashed, uh, that you cut, you know, smashed up the P-40 or the little UMX plane was his son. And then he crashed into another plane. And it, that one was big. Like, it, like, chopped the plane in half. And you just hear in the place, like, fuck fuck like you know there's kids around and he's like cursing. no he didn't say that did he yeah he was like fuck shit like no i i no i think he just yelled out god damn it or was it just damn it no i i i heard i heard an an explicit word there maybe maybe he definitely said damn it i do recall that but i'm oh maybe after that yeah yeah like you know probably shit you know maybe it wasn't fuck but um, it was just like, today's not your day, I guess. <laughs> like, uh, you know. Yeah, I felt bad for that guy. Yeah, and and then then this kid's plane got chopped up too, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but that's rule one to go into an event like that. Don't bring yeah. anything you're not afraid to lose. Yeah. Got that yeah. right from Alex Zavada himself. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you know, that's what I did. That's what you did, right? Yeah. We, I mean, what I bring the guinea pig bushwhacker and the arrow, which I didn't even fly. Oh, and Kevin Matusik, I built that plane there. I would have been bummed if the baby blender had gotten torn up, but dude, I could do build that again. Yeah, it's not like you just would put be some mad. You would just be like, ah, oh, that kind of sucks. Oh well, let's yeah. throw up another plane. <laughs> you know, like 
I mean, I even crashed the oxy there, and I was I was more embarrassed than anything. <laughs> <laughs> it just was so loud. Oh, that that's got to go in here. Dumb thumbing. So at Neff, I was uh, flying the oxy three cube, very tight space. You know, as you know, Kevin. Yeah. Very tight little box, and you know, I had a, you know, it was kind of wandering, but I had a pretty successful flight where you recorded, right? It was, you know. I yeah. was doing my little flips. I was kind of slowly, you know, flying it around a little. Um, second flight, and I was like, oh, I got this. I got more room. I want to stand over here. So I'll have, like, a longer line of sight room, like, going straight down. So I can kind of, like, fly away from me and kind of, you know, like, in that style. So I was like, all right, cool. I take off. I go inverted. I'm hovering inverted, and then I do a punch out. And while I'm doing a punch out, I'm doing a pirouette. And that thing went from being – a foot off the ground, inverted hovering, to you know tapping out, hitting the ceiling in the corner, you know, which is probably about I don't know, it's not that much. Maybe, maybe what do you think? Maybe fifty feet, six, yeah. seventy feet, or something like that. Being indoors in a metal box, basically, and a helicopter crashing into the metal box in three spots, it <laughs> made a really so loud clunk, 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 and then boom, it hit the ground. Uh, on a skids, yeah, and I just look over the flight line. I see you looking over. I see David looking over. I see, I see Josh. I see like flight test looking over. I'm like, oh boy. Yep. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna hear it. Oh well. You know what screwed me up the most at that place was the lights, though. Like flying yeah. and seeing the lights and kind of more of a silhouette. On yes. Your, you know, you're you're more or less looking at a silhouette. It was it was strange. Yeah. So, I mean, I know what I did wrong. I gave way too much negative for that small enough place. I, I brought a helicopter indoors. That's what I did wrong. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> you know, I think I would have been fine if I didn't go so much negative punch out. And, and you know, when we do it outside, we can go full negative. It's great. Like, we oh, have yeah. unlimited space, basically. Unlimited airspace. So we can go full negative. I've been practicing on a sim where I just do, like, one pump and I do a pirouette. And keep it short. Like it only the helicopter only goes like five feet, and while it does a quick pirouette, it comes out. Nice. So like I want to try that in real life one of these days, hopefully. But um, yeah, just so that like if I do fly in a small area, I can keep the helicopter from going so far away. You know, I got the FT Dragonfly. This was a mechanical failure, or I mean, it was my problem. I I I should have done a better flight check, but. This was a failure on losing a prop. I was flying at our field, doing high speed runs, down, up, you know, you know, left and right, right to left on the field, just kind of getting the the scene. And then I kind of went up, probably about a hundred feet or so, and started like just kind of hovering there, panning slowly. You know, I got a gimbal on there, so I was kind of at my GoPro, and I was like, "Cool, let me just get some nice shots of the scenery." And all of a sudden, I hear. Eh. And, and like motor stopping noises, right? When the motor gets jammed up and makes like a squealing noise almost. Right. I didn't know what happened. You know, I was like, uh, I lost a motor. That's what I thought. I was like, I burnt out an ESC or I lost the motor. It tilted to the left 90 degrees and started falling and there was no recovery. It just fell all the way down. After watching the video of um, of the GoPro that was on there, um, since the GoPro had a gimbal, it stayed level, and it basically you see the propeller. You see a propeller. You see the helicopter 
bank to the left, and at that part, you're at the wide part of the, the video camera, right? The feed. Right. Or the record. And you actually see in the corner a prop flying off, <laughs> and, it, and it basically stopped the other motor because, it, you know, if a prop flies off on the Dragonfly, one of the front props on one of the sides, technically it has redundancy with the other, you know, motor and prop setup. But this one didn't. It just, so I think what happened was the prop came off. The nut came off, came loose, the prop flew off, um, and then it hit the other <laughs> motor and jammed it up for a, a split second, which would just send that thing in a hurling, you know, dive to the ground. It broke, like, three of the five brooms at all different places. The landing gear, like, everything was just kind of smashed up on it. And it's sitting underneath my workbench right now. And, and it needs to... I need to give it some love. I need to... Give it some time to rebuild it, but um, it is in the plans. It is in the works. I did enjoy flying it when I when I was flying. So yeah, I, I get it flying again. I still have mine, man. It's still in one piece, and it just dude, with all the other stuff going on with the helis and with me trying to get a couple of planes ready for Flight Fest, man. Just I don't think I'm gonna get back to that anytime soon. I'd like to because it sounded cool. It was a cool machine. Mm-hmm. Had good lift on it. Yeah. yeah, no problem lifting up a GoPro. I had like crazy amount of batteries on mine. I put a, well, not crazy, but I would put the, uh, I think the four S three thousand I used. Yeah, but That's I would also use mine. I would also include a twenty two hundred for the FPV. Oh rig. wow! You know, just because I, I need for the CG right, I'd need to add an extra battery to it because the my my gimbal I put basically really up front and. That just weighed everything to the nose, so I, I had to put the battery back and then add it, add an extra battery just for it. And I was like, if I'm adding the extra battery, might as well have a safe system where if some if I overdrain a battery or something, I won't lose the video feed, you know. So yeah. I I just tied that balance connector into the Fast Shark system and you know ran a, a separate battery for the video transmitter. Nice. Um, yeah, I think I want to try to get that fixed for Flight Fest. Or at least just for our field. I feel like, you know, if I can get a, cha- a clean channel, I, I would have fun flying that out of our field and just, you know, maybe try to follow some planes with a gimbal on it and stuff. Or how yeah, I haven't done that in a while, man. I should bring my Electra Hub out there. Yeah, definitely. I, I just I just feel kind of, I mean, I'm sure you feel the same way. It's like you don't want to really inhibit someone flying on a multi-rotor side with your 600 milliamp, milliwatt um, transmitter. Yeah, exactly. I, you know? I so. You know, those guys are doing their thing, they're racing. I don't want to be like, hey, can I go chase a couple of planes? I mean, I should just throw it, get it all ready, and not the Dragonfly, the Electro Hub's like my, my go-to for this. Mm-hmm. But just get it all ready and keep it with me, maybe, and then if I show up there and there's nobody flying FPV, I can just get a couple flights in. So, I mean, the Dragonfly does take a lot of room. Yeah. It's pretty big. I, I got to work on my other multi-rotor project, too, man. It's the Batbone frame that I have. I want to make that into a Y6. Oh, right. And I got to buy, like, I got to, I want to 3D print motor mounts. Uh, I got to get that going. Um, I, I basically have a, an idea of how I'm going to do it. And then um, and then figure out how to wire up a Y6, you know. No, let, but, let me know, dude. I can 3D print with uh, aluminum now. I'm, I should have that tomorrow. What do you mean, aluminum? It's aluminum-infused uh ABS, I think. Oh, that stuff sucks. Does it? I'm I'm gonna try it. Don't get the carbon fiber one either. No, I heard the carbon fiber was bad, but I'm gonna try the aluminum stuff. 
Yeah, I've done the um, not aluminum, but it was uh, is it brass? Yeah, they make brass, steel, aluminum. Yeah, it was brass, and then I think we had the steel one. It just weighs a ton. Oh yeah. Yeah, like the brass one weighed a ton. Like we they printed out like this, we printed out this little bird, and then we even use a rock tumbler to soften it up. Like not soften up, but to sand it down. Right. And it, like if it, you know, compared to any plastic 3D printed piece, it just it weighed a ton. Cool. I, you know, it's cool. I don't know if you're gonna. I don't think I'll use it in RC. Then. In RC, yeah. I'll just use it for some of the other stuff I've been doing. Or yeah, maybe something for your charging case or something. Definitely. Do you have any dumb thumb failure crashes? I have a ton. All right. Well, so... I have a, I had a failure with the with the oxy for sure. I, I think it'll. I don't know. My early helicopter stuff were probably failures, and and it was all my incompetence with how to build the helicopter and how to get it all set up. Because mm-hmm. a lot of stuff was so cheap. I mean, there was no instructions. Yeah. You just got it, and you know. You listen to the puppet and figure listen it to out. the puppet. Yeah, <laughs> but I did. I did dumb thumb that one eighty at Neff though, for sure. Oh, yeah. I just <laughs> drove that thing. Yeah, and it drove the frame right through the canopy. Yeah. Like, you, like, fisted the canopy. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty bad. Yeah, I mean, but the damage wasn't too bad, though, right? Like, it was just a canopy and a landing gear and maybe some servo gears, I think, right? It wasn't... Yeah. Did you put yours up for sale yet? No. It's still sitting in the same broken configuration that I came home from Neff with. Mine, too. Yeah, mine's just been sitting there. I, I'm just going to post it up as for parts. I don't care if I get 100 bucks for it. Yeah, I'll probably fix mine and then post it with the parts mm. that I have. The thing is, I don't have parts for it. I, I need a landing gear. I don't have a landing gear. Oh, I got landing gear. All right. Maybe we'll we'll talk. All right. The last crash I put on this list for failures is for, uh, it's for Goblin 380, my one and only crash on the Goblin 380, knock on wood. Yep. And it was from a brownout. Go Spectrum. <laughs> no, I, I can't fully blame Spectrum. Um, it's just the winning combination that I had. And, you know, if I'd done, like, research online, I probably would find it. I would probably find a whole bunch of posts of people saying that this is an issue. But the winning combination is Spectrum satellites that run 3.3 volts. V-Bar. I had the mini V-Bar I was trying out. And it was the second flight of that mini V-Bar and the last one I... Oh, right. I sold it right after that. It had the Castle Light 100 amp ESC. And the thing with the Castle Light ESCs is that they have a built-in BC, but it's only 5 amps. You Which might think, doesn't help when you're running 9 amps on yeah, your servos. So, so 5 amps, <laughs> you know, for low-voltage servos, even high-voltage servos, you know, depending on the servos, it's, it's okay. It's kind of... Very minimal, like you know, you're you're close to the threshold that you shouldn't really be using a BC and then BK servos. So I know a lot of people like, oh, BKs don't draw more amps, and then I hear some people say, oh, BK draws a lot of amps, and then I hear some people say, not even the amps, you just running BK sends EMF back to your fly barless unit. The what? The what? EMF the flyby. Yeah, EMI. What? Sorry, EMI. Electromagnetic electromagnetic interference. interference. Yes, EMI. Sorry. Oh, they can't be serious. And and people are like, you want to see? 
have your helicopter off and just move the BK servos. It'll generate electricity and push it back to the flybar soon. Your flybar soon will start booting up. Well, dude, so will a freaking lemon will generate electricity too. I mean, yeah, or a potato, right? Potato and like Gatorade. Yeah, a potato clock. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know, but. You're not supposed to be moving the servos to create electricity. And I know no, Nick is going to yell uh, at us for discussing this sure. without him, but that's an output device. You're supposed to be sending electricity to that, not create, not generating electricity but with that. The, the, I guess the argument is that when they're moving at high rates, they feed back EMI because they're also kind of they're using electricity. And I don't know. It's it's all like confusing for me. I was like, whatever. I'm not doing V bar, and that was the last. Um, that was my... The guy that told you that, was he wearing a tinfoil hat at the time? Or no? I don't know. It was on Heli Free Forum. I mean, possibly. Uh, <laughs> I shouldn't slam that then because they're probably right. You know. But it just sounds so crazy. It does, right? And, and you know, my thing was that I hear a lot of people saying V-Bar and Spectrum don't go well together. Like the Spectrum satellites. And then I hear people say, oh, it's fine, but... It's not. It's not V bar. This, this is what I always hear. It's not V bar. V bar is nothing wrong. V bar. It's spectrum. Yeah. It's it's a satellite. You know, it's like anything else, dude. Spectrum had problems with D, DSM, uh, the the DSM one. You know, and then went to DSM two, and they might have had a little few problems. I mean, but they sorted them out and. No, but it's just it's the satellite issue. It's a satellite. Doesn't right. run off a of five volt like anyone like all the other receivers run off of. It runs off of the, the specific three point three volts. And what happens if there's any dip in that three point three volts? If it goes to three or two eight, it just cuts out, and then it reboots. But dude, that's that's not the satellite's problem though. That's whatever's supplying that voltage. Yes and no, but it's just more sensitive. Like if you were to use an S bus. You know, receiver or, or even a full receiver, it won't, it won't cut out. Um, and I've done it with my, I think the 570 when I had the icon on there. Um, I put a, a receiver, uh, a three cell pack onto the main line into the BSC, right? And the BEC is like, you know, it's, it's, I think it's rated for like, I think it's rated for 3S, but I thought, I think it needs more voltage, especially with the, the servo amp draw. And I was taking the BK servos and I was like, Whacking the sticks around, I was like, and then it'll go, and then I see the satellite, and then I see this, and then I see the satellite blinking. Yeah, I remember you doing that. And then it reset it, yeah. So I was like, oh, I guess it's true, but I don't know if it's just because I'm using a 3S LiPo that's only, you know, 11 volts, 12 volts, you know, into a, a Castle Pro BEC. Like, I think it needs more to produce any real amperage, you know, like it needs 12S or 6S. That the goblin went in. I was coming nose. I think I was doing like nose in, flying towards me, or toward, you know going back towards closer to me, and and I just kind of dropped out of the sky. It was pretty bad though. Uh, the nose when the no the canopy got really cracked up in the front, which I repaired with fiberglass and epoxy. Uh, the, the frame size, both of them cracked. The blades broke. The linkage broke. The bottom trays broke. I stripped a couple servos. I didn't break the tail boom. Nothing with that. So that was good. I think I don't know. I didn't bring the the flipper landing gears or anything. It was just mainly the bottom plate, the mainframe. It was it was well over a hundred dollar crash. I think it was like one one sixty or one one fifty or something like that. For Jeez. something that crashed like from it wasn't even that high. It was like maybe fifteen feet up in the air. Yeah, I remember that. I remember we were there that day. And you're like, What happened? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. 
<laughs> it just fell out of the sky. What would you say your best airplane crash was? My best had to be, you know, I was thinking about this before, and I was thinking, you know, I, I could say right off the bat that FT Cruiser was was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. I've had I've had some good ones, and it's it's funny to say that, you know, your best crash, but that one in particular was funny because I'm such a knucklehead that after the first time when, when I was doing the differential thrust and I twisted it into the ground, mm-hmm. um, I went to take off again. And when I took off, the landing gear popped out. Oh, right. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. And at the time, I didn't remember that the landing gear actually holds the motor in. Holds the so, power pod in, so right. What I, do, I did like a half a turn and came back around, and then the power pod went shooting out. Uh-huh. <laughs> and that thing just came tumbling back down on the ground. That was too funny. Yeah. Uh, uh, my best airplane crash. I mean, I don't I, – what, what do you mean by best? Like funniest or like – Yeah, you, the one actually... that you were like, you know what? That was a good crash. That was funny. And it didn't It didn't really like – you weren't like, oh, damn it. Yeah. That's what I meant by it. I, I did have this f- weird crash. Not really a crash. What is it called when you – kind of have a dead stick moment but it's with an electric and you also lose all your control surfaces too because your battery wasn't tied down properly and it ejected from the plane what would that be called battery ejection i don't know <laughs> so this happened to saturday i was flying chloe's plane and i was testing it out you know making sure it was trimmed down because you know we replaced the wing we replaced some parts so i was just you know kind of flying it around um and then i gave her control she, you know she started flying in kind of you know was losing orientation a little so i gained control back and then i put it i went you know it's a three channel so i went left on the stick and a little bit down and then i just see something falling out of the plane and i was <laughs> like oh crap i lost the prop and i was like wait a minute no i don't have any control i must have lost the battery and sure enough, the battery popped out. But because I was initiating a small bank turn, a small you know left turn with a little down elevator, right. all it did was just do a nice circle. Like it must have done like eight circles before it went and nicely glided down and hit the floor. Nice. And I was like, "All right, let's go get it. You know, let's see the damage. No damage on the plane. Only thing is that it was missing a battery, and the battery was like 15 feet to the left of the plane." You know what's the funniest thing when that battery comes flipping out? Like I've uh-huh. done that rolling planes, yeah, a few of them. Is that you see it's the battery, you see it flying through the air, and you're still trying to control the plane. <laughs> yes. You're <laughs> That's still like best. yes, yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> but um, yeah, um, that was the best crash I've ever had because, or actually, no, no, I have a better crash than that. Okay. Oh no, no, it's not an airplane now. All right. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to it then. Get to that. So, airplane worst crash. Yeah, worst. Oh, I remember this one. Has to be the Balsa S-Bock that I had. Yes. That I, the, I, bought, yeah. I bought four planes at one time uh, from this dude, and I got a really good deal on all four. Mm-hmm. And this S-Bock, I had no business flying. It was such an... I remember taking it up and only having like 30% expo in it and the recommended throws, but I could barely trim it out. It was so fast of a plane. Yeah. And I could remember getting one good flight on it and coming in and actually landing it was pretty easy. It was a nice landing plane, mm-hmm. the one landing I had on it. And then I took it back up again. Um, yeah, what happened? I was flying it way too slow. Like, I stalled it. 
I was ah. flying it like a foamy. Right. And at the time, I didn't really know the difference. And I can remember stalling it, like going. I think I tried pulling up for a loop, and I didn't even realize that, you know, when these things start going down, and if you give a throttle to increase it as it's going down, most likely you can pull up out of it. Um, yeah. It depends. It depends on how much room you have, obviously. Mm hmm. But man, yeah, that thing went down behind the hill at Green Palm where we used to fly. Yeah. That sound that made. The sound, yes. Crunch was like, ugh. Yeah. I remember Jeff saying, I never want to hear that sound again. That's how bad it was. And yeah, that thing was uh -huh. just done, dude. There was no fixing that. Yeah. It was just basically the whole front end. And I really didn't like that plane, but because uh, I didn't like the color scheme. The color scheme is weird, like the checkerboard pattern. On, on top. top, yeah, yeah, so weird. I've seen that on tower at Tower Hobbies or something. Though they still yeah, make it. it's it's uh, what, what's the brand? It's it's a known brand. I forget, I forget man, but it's an Bach. That sucked because that that's a plane I'd like to have today to try messing around with. Oh yeah, definitely. But, like if you had that now, but <laughs> it is what it is. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's a Sig. That's what it was. The Sig Bach. Oh right, yeah. Sig airplane, yep. yeah. The blue one with the checker flag on top. And that was a, a 50 inch wingspan. Yeah, that's a nice size too. Yeah, I like how the canopy went on; like it kind of slid forward, un unhooked from the magnets, and then kind of pulled out. Yeah, if I get another one of them, I, uh, I don't think I'm gonna get another one. <laughs> no, but I would probably get a plane like this, but not from Sig. I would probably do something like Precision Acrobatic or something. Yeesh. Yeah, Maybe. one of these days. My worst crash. Is the plane you bought from me? The plane I bought from you? Yeah. Oh, the the Sukhoi. The Sukhoi, yes. So I had two crashes with that. One crash wasn't too bad. Um, the first time I crashed that plane, uh, it's it's that weird issue with like if you have the flaps, even though if the flaps are inhibited, you have that switch like down. Yeah. It just like flies away from you. Like it doesn't want to react to anything. I have to check that every flight. You yeah. have to give it a little throttle and and see if the elevator moves. If it does, you yeah. know, you got to flip that switch. So I don't know what that switch does or why uh, even why it reacts even when it's inhibited. Well, it's I basically, blame... I think it's like beginner mode or something. It was everything. Like the plane was just like, I thought it, it was just, you know, just takes off away. and keeps going. Yeah. Yeah. It just keeps going straight. Yeah. So like a self level almost. But anyways, so the first time I crashed, it was like it, that mode came on and I freaked out. And I think I, I kind of hit a tree. I hit the tree in the back left of Green Pond. Right. And, um, you know, I snapped one of the wings off, but no other damage. So I ended up just gluing the wings on. Like, it weren't, I made it so they weren't removable because the, the clip broke. Yeah, the, the yeah I remember that. Clip. Yep. So I just glued the wings in with Gorilla Glue. Cool. Everything was fine. I was flying it. I was flying it fine. A couple battery packs, flying it fine, no problems. And then one day I was flying it, and... Jeff was there. I don't know if he was watching. I think he was flying his tricopter or something. But um, I was flying, you know, and I kind of was like coming around towards, kind of coming towards back towards me. And it was a good, you know, 100 feet away, 150 feet away coming back towards me. And all of a sudden, I didn't, I wasn't even on the sticks. Like I wasn't moving anything. I was just like, okay, let's bring it closer back to me. All of a sudden it went. 90 degrees roll to the left, 120 degrees roll to the right, and then it went full down, like full, it went like inverted and basically full up elevator, uh, down elevator to just pitch the nose down and went straight into the ground. Huh. My conclusion, which I reported to um, Horizon Hobby, 
um, was that the AR-636 rebooted. Yeah. When when the 636 reboots or boots up, it does a control surface check. It goes full elevator one way, uh, full aileron one way, full aileron the other way. And it, while it's doing that, it's also checking the tail. Yep. And I think it browned out for a split second, rebooted. And so I, you know, reported to Horizon. And so, okay, let me, let me explain the crash. And so it made a big crunch, foam crunch noise. It was pretty loud. Like, I don't know why foam sounds so loud when it crunches on the ground. Um, the nose came off with the motor. The wing, one wing completely broke off again. The tail, the fuselage from the trailing edge of the wing broke completely off. And, you know, kind of like what happened when you flew it <laughs> recently. Yeah. I thought it was a total loss. I call up Horizon. I talked to their support folks. And I'm like, hey, you know, I don't know what you can do for me. But, you know, I was flying this plane. To me, the receiver rebooted. It did its control service check. And it drove itself into the ground. I'm running a DX9. I'm running, you know, like... I'm not running like some, you know, Spectrum module or anything or Orange RX. I'm running your your radio, you know, your brand, everything. And they're like, oh, you know, you send you can send us the ESC and the AR636, and we'll take a look at it, see if there's any faulty stuff with it. Um, I'm like, okay, you know, I gotta give up for Horizon. This is this is what I mean. It, it did cost me to ship it out to them, so it cost me a couple of bucks. The same method I shipped it out to them, they shipped it back to me on their dime. This is the kind of customer service I do like. I get an email, and the email says like with the ticket number and all that information, saying that we didn't see any problem with either one of those units. Oh wow! But in the the I, I forgot words they use for it, but in like the good hope of customer service, we're just sending you a new. Uh, new EAC and new AR-636. That's cool. Yeah. I was like, wow, okay, well, I think there was a problem. You know, so I was kind of pissed off. because, like, you know, I, I enjoyed the Sequoia. I liked that play. But I was like, I'm, you know, like, how did you not see a problem? It, it definitely rebooted, you know? Like, I had that little stubbornness too. But they did replace it. They, you know, I got it back in a couple of days. And I actually still have the EAC because I ended up installing... Um, when those two items were out, I installed a the 55 amp deluxe Turnigy ESC in there, and then I had a regular receiver. And boy, trying to fly that thing was a handful without knowing how much throws to put, or you know, like just kind of 100 percent everything, yeah, 30 percent expo, you know, it's fine. That was a handful to have, you know, very hard to fly. But um, so then when I got the the replacement parts, I didn't want to take the whole like it was hard to get to the ESC. Um, with yep. the nose on, <laughs> with the nose on, <laughs> with the nose on. Yeah, so I ended up just uh, keeping the ESC in there and replacing the AR six three six, putting that in there. And then I I never flew it after that. I was like, you know what, I'm not flying it. It's been like half a year, you know. So and you're like, oh, you know, you'll buy it. I think I asked you, do you want to buy the Sequoia as a spare for parts? And you're like, yeah, sure. Yeah. So, yep. So you ended up taking that. I still have that forty amp ESC. <laughs> nice. You know, I don't know what I'm going to do with it. Do you want it? Maybe yeah, replace that ESC in there? I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do with it. I got to fly the thing again because I thought my first flight on that thing had an issue where it kind of like stalled a little bit. But I don't know. It didn't, I didn't have it on any other flights after that. Might have just mm-hmm. been me. Yeah. 
Let's move on to multi-rotor best crash. Do you have one? I've 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 had really terrible luck with multi-rotors. Um, initially, RC Explorer, you know David Windesall's tricopter, built that KK 2.0 2.15 board. Oof. Didn't have any real issues, but like I was able to hover it and kind of go up. And then I made an acrobatic version where I painted like green and orange with orange arms. And that one was fun because I would flip it and roll it in the air. And I had I had a good time with that with the KK board with the stick scaling and turning that sucker up. And it would flip like, woo, 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 like super quick. It was great. I loved it. And then when we tried to like fly it pattern and circuits i guess or big turns and you know coordinated turns um that tail would just act all weird kk board was just so weird with doing turns like that yeah yeah i found the same thing the sweeping turns you know yep so like you know i would crash it here and there even even when you know doing acrobatic stuff i would crash it here and there not a big deal a lot of time was in snow so it was fine nice soft landing (laughs) (laughs) But, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Everything I fly, every multi-road I fly, it always crashes on me. Remember all my issues with the 250 ZMR? Yeah, yeah. I would take off, one motor would just fail. Like, or not start take up. Take off, and... or not start up, yeah. Or I'd be hovering, be like, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, boom, motor just fail and just shuts off. It's like, I had none but problems with multi-rotors. Was that all those bang good parts? A lot of it was ready-to-fly quads. Oh, okay. Like for motors and ESCs. And a lot of it was also multi-star. I did a lot of multi-star from Turnergy, okay. uh, from Hobby King. Yeah, and see, I went the altitude hobbies route a lot of times mm-hmm. for the larger stuff, for not not two fifty stuff. Yeah. Though my best crash was with the Electro Hub man when I clipped the top of the trees. I was racing down the path, one of the paths I had at Green Pond, and yeah, I, yeah. I pulled up too late, and I just clipped the tops of the trees, and the the thing went over and. I video of that like ping ponging down through the trees. Yeah, and that that was uh that was one that was kinda hard to find, right? We were kinda looking for it for a while. Yeah. Yeah. These multi rotors are hard to find when they crash. I had the LEDs buds. on it though, thank God. I think I heard I was spooling it up and I heard it. Mm-hmm. That took a long yeah, that took a while to find. Yeah. I had a crash at our field with the, the ZMR two fifty once I got it to fly. Like I replaced I basically had to replace all the electronics, all the ESCs and motors. Or, or just the ESCs. I, I think I kept the motors. I had, you know, I, I went cheap. I went 12 amp ESCs and uh, the 1804 RCX 2300KV motors. So I don't have a lot of power on it. So when I'm flying quickly forward to turn and power out, I didn't have much power. So I ended up taking a really long way around the course. And I clipped basically, if you're looking at our multi-rotor course, on the left side, the tree line there. Oh, and there were yeah. like some like down trees that kind of stuck out. So I crashed into that, and it took me forever to find it. At least it felt like forever for me to find it. I, I had the alarm going, the beeper, you know, like I had it on a switch. So when I crashed, I could click the switch, and it would just be beep, beep, you know, the alarm on. Right. Couldn't hear it. Couldn't see it. I had LEDs on it. Couldn't see it. Couldn't hear it. Nothing. Pacing back and forth. I'm like, I swear I hit, I hit this dead tree that was down. And that's what caused me to roll. So it must have rolled this way. It's got to be here. I couldn't find it. couldn't find it. And then I think Perry was like, you know, helping me find it. And he was like, oh, I see it over here. And he and it was like 30 feet from where I thought it would be. Yeah. Um, they're never where you think they're going to be. 
Yeah, they never are. And especially because you're flying line of sight, I mean, flying uh, FPV, and you don't have someone watching you line of sight. You know, you don't have a spotter watching you. It's, it's hard. It's hard to, like, know when you land where it is because all you see is upside-down grass or dirt, you know? <laughs> like, yep. So, worst crash. For me, it was with the Electro Hub when I had the gimbal on it and I was yes. chasing the trucks, the RC trucks yes. with it. And I drove that thing in super hard, like I just came crashing down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that was a bit rough. That was actually the, I think that was the last time I used my Mobius too. No, I used it at our club. Uh, that's right. Yeah, but that was but that's the last time you use a gimbal. <laughs> that yeah, it was the last time I used a gimbal. Then I that I ejected the uh, the SD card in the Mobius. It didn't even finish record because uh-huh. I never caught any of that footage. Yeah, from that particular flight. My worst crash, I guess, it's not really my worst crash with multi-orders. I mean, I, the, losing the prop was probably the worst crash because it fell from so high on the Dragonfly, and it broke so much of the thing. Like, yeah. it bent, like, it didn't bend the gimbal, but it bent, like, the mount for the gimbal. You know, like, it it, it trashed a, a whole bunch of stuff on it, and it's definitely fixable, but that's probably the worst crash. But the one that stung the most was I was flying the 250 around the track, and I was getting through a couple of the gates, and I kind of was getting confident, so I was really, you know, gunning it through. And I clipped the gate, spun the quad around, broke, like, all the props. The worst part is I ejected the Mobius, cracked the Mobius in half. The electronics came out. I lost the SD card. My Mobius is broken Jeez. after that. And, like, it's not working again. I, I, I have it here. I plug it in. It looks like it's charging, but I try turning it on. Nothing happens. So... Oh, man. I'm like, it's basically a write-off. And that's the one that stung the most because I was doing really good. And I, I and just like you with your other one, I was like, I lost the footage. And that's the part that stung the most. Like, yeah. I could, find a, I could buy another $79 Mobius. That, that's not a problem. But that SD card was a 32-gig card with a lot of footage on it. And it's all gone. Yeah, that sucks. The little micro SD cards, you're not finding that in the grass or dirt. No. To the point where, like, I wish I taped it so that way it wouldn't pop out and also like maybe like use a fluorescent orange marker on it so that way if it does pop out like if you're searching you might be able to pick it out if it's contrasting enough yeah and then after that i kind of stopped flying multi-rotors <laughs> i know i haven't flown them in a while yeah rich has been hounding me to get mine ready and and I, I'm, I'm actually in the process of getting the 210 hive ready for like quad racing racing like you know yeah i gotta hand it to rich every time he sees me he asks me about it and tells me and every time it's the same answer and he still asks me every time so he's not let yeah. up which no which is not cool. at all i'll get it there one of these days <laughs> yeah all right heli best crash yeah yeah i think it's when i broke the boom on the it has to be the one one of the 180 crashes that i had because they were just so hysterical. Mm-hmm. Maybe the one time where it was flopping around like a fish, <laughs> like hit the I didn't hit throttle hole, they hit the ground and it was just like flop back up. That was nuts. Yeah. Or I got it's video of the one time I broke the boom, the little one eighty goblin conversion canopy boom uh-huh. kit I had. Yeah. Yeah. And it was uh it was like laying on the on the runway and I was giving it rudder and the it yeah, was, like and it was twitching. Like twitching, yep. yeah. That was <laughs> like pretty a fish. nuts. That was great. Um, best crash? I guess it would be when I lost the tail pitch slider recently on the Oxy-3 Cube. Yeah. You know, the, the heli was, like, good 50, 60 feet in the air, and it just, I lost the tail. 
it went straight into a full PRL, like just PRL, like one, two, three, four, five, like in the air. Um, I hit throttle hold, and the tail stopped moving, and I just altered it down. I didn't break anything except for the part that broke on its own. Everything was fine. And then when Rick came out to the field, I replaced that, and I, I flew. I kept on flying it. It was perfect. Nice. So I think that's like a good crash scenario when, yes, you had a failure. Yes, you crashed, but the heli didn't break. Like nothing broke on the heli. And, it was, and you were able to fly it that day again. I think that's a success in my book. Uh, worst crash. Heli, worst crash. Worst, I was going to say, every other crash, crash I've had. <laughs> One of the worst. I don't know. I, I can't think of. I don't know, man. I, I, I guess some of the early stuff. I, mm-hmm. I used to break a lot of stuff. Yeah. Me too. That 450X, it was so abused for yeah. me. I mean, I've crashed that at like every place I've flown, I've crashed it. <laughs> like, yeah, I I think the same for me. It had to be the 450X because I can remember replacing the, the frame itself, that mm-hmm. uh, that elevator like linkage. Oh, oh yeah, the the uh, push, push pull linkage or whatever it's called. Yeah. Yeah. I can rem- the one that's uh, inside the body is shaped like an L that goes up to the actual. Yeah, because it's the front servo is in the right underneath the battery. Like, yeah. It's such a poor design. But, but yeah, um, yeah, that one definitely was a pain in the butt. I would actually say my worst crash is on the on the Oxy Cube, Oxy Three Cube again. Yeah, yeah, I had I had two crashes on that, and one was pretty bad. It was the one where um I had the micro icon or micro brain on there, the U brain. Yeah, and that's the one where it was flying. I was like kind of like flying back at me. It's a lot of crashes happen when I'm nosing. When I'm flying <laughs> back at me, or like kind of right to left, but kind of trying to get closer back to me, and it just freaked out on me. My guess is that the double-sided tape I was using let go. Uh, the fly bars unit just was loose. And at that point, the gyros were going nuts. And the servos and everything going nuts. So it came down really hard. Boom strike in two places. I ejected the tail servo. And yeah, that's right. Ripped the tail servo leads out. Like I think all the gears, all the linkages, main shaft, main gear. Every, every part that you can break pretty much broke. The main grips didn't break, but this, all the spindles were bent. All the blades were shot. No, no. Two blades were shot. I think one survived. The one that didn't hit the boom, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, I lost the USB uh, adapter. Right. The UART adapter, whatever it's called. The um, the USB interface adapter to the micro icon or the uh, U-brain. Um, the U-brain, I think, is shot. <laughs> like, wow, I don't know. Man. I don't trust it. You know, and... You know, that's $100 right there down the drain. Yeah, I mean, the the frames were broken. Like, it was just like, in the heli world, most people would just be like, re-kit. <laughs> yeah, I remember that crash. I remember checking that out. And, like, the pitches didn't even really do justice. Like, I mean, no. the canopy was smashed. Like, everything was just, like. I, I can remember commenting on the tail servo, the Yeah. That I've never seen that happen, where the servo just, like, got ripped right out of the heli, it man. Was, it, was it was, like, three feet away. Mm-hmm. With the boom strike, I noticed I broke one of the servo mounts and the other one just kind of, you know, let go. And after that, I, I went with the aluminum. So I said, screw this plastic stuff. If I have a boom strike or something, like, I want the servo still to be attached, you yeah. know? Like, so um, I went with the Lynx uh, aluminum ones, which, you know, knock on wood, they haven't failed me yet in any way. They're, they're great, and it's cheap. It's like a $10 part or something like that. 
Yeah, I gotta pick uh, some of those up. Yeah, I I think you should do that, and the blades and your oxy sport. It's gonna be awesome, like just as good as any, as good as the the fully loaded Tariq one. You know, like cool. So funniest crash story. <sighs> I have that. I have that one, but I've I've told that story before about me and my father in law. Oh, that is pretty funny. Let's say it again, just for folks uh, as a reminder. That was the first plane I ever had, and that was the P-51 that I, I still have that I reversed the ailerons like two years later on. But I went to Totowa PAL baseball field. I had never flown that plane before, and mm-hmm. my father-in-law was in World War II, so he was like, oh, I love the P-51s. Yeah, we'll go fly it. So I really didn't want to let him down. Yeah. Couldn't take off from the grass because the landing gear so far at the CG. It's so far back. So I'm like, well, there's a ball field. I went over to the ball field, and I actually got it in the air from the ball field, and I'm flying around. And this is not a DX6, not a DX9. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is my cheesy Chinese $35 radio and, and transmitter. FR Sky. With no expo. The old blue and silver one. Yeah. Yeah, I know exactly. I'm pretty sure it was that one. I don't. It might have been a DX6, but I don't think so. If it's not that, it would have to be like the DX5E or something. Because you didn't have X, but you only had switches, right? I didn't even switches. have switches, no. Isn't there like little switches in the middle where like a screen would be? No, you had nothing there. It was just, uh, or it might have been switches to reverse stuff. Yeah. But I know you had to, to do anything. You had to plug the radio in to the computer. I think that's the, the FR Sky, like cheapo, like yeah. six channel radio that you can buy. Because the puppet sold you too. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm flying it around and I'm flying it around and it's getting longer and longer into the flight. And I'm like, I got to figure out how I'm going to land this thing. I've never landed a plane before. So I'm like, I got to get it down and it's back to the ball field or I'm going to flip it over on landing. So I put the gear down and I come around for like one more pass and I go straight into this tree, like 50 feet up. Just ground. I can see it like it was yesterday, man. Mm hmm. So he, my father-in-law is like, dude, the guy's like 85 years old. And he's like, don't worry about it. I got a ladder in the PAL. He like runs a PAL. So he goes to get this ladder. That gets me like 30 feet up into this tree. So I'm in this tree and this guy's like, and it's like right on the border of the PAL in some guy's backyard. And I'm thinking the whole time, this guy's going to be, a, you know, looking out his window going, what is that idiot doing in the tree? So I'm 30 feet up in this tree and I'm shaking the branches and I'm shaking and I'm shaking. And I can't move this this plane at all. Okay. So he goes, I got some electrical conduit, uh, some metal conduit. Well, well, I'll get that. And he gets that. And we duct tape that together, like three sections at 10 feet long. So now I got 30 feet of electrical conduit. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm winding it up through the tree. It gets up to just about where I, where I can, like, start poking at it. And I hear off in the distance thunder and lightning. Like, <sighs> oh, boy. I'm like, oh, my God. This can't get any worse. So all I have in the back of my mind is my brother-in-law going, you had my 85-year-old father in a lightning storm with metal rods and a metal ladder (laughs) trying to get this stupid plane out of a tree. That's all I could hear. So I finally was able to poke at it correctly, and I I bashed it out of there, and it it came flying back down. And he tried to grab it, dude, and I was like, just let it go. Just get out of the way, you know. Yeah, don't, yeah. I don't want him to like fall over trying to trying to catch yeah, his or plane like, or anything. Have it bonk him on the head or something. Yeah. Yeah. So I got it back and and then I was deathly afraid to fly it. Like I fixed it. I ordered parts oh. from wherever Motion RC or something, and I never flew it again. 
because I was so afraid to fly it, like because I didn't know how to fly it. Yeah. So that was when I found Flight Test, and I built. Um, I think they just had the baby blender out. Okay. Or the Versa wing, one of those two. Mm-hmm. I know it was before the Spitfire came out that I that I was flying that thing, and then I started flying the flight test models, and they were great. You know, smash them and rebuild them, and I'm back again the next day. Yeah, I have a story I wanted to say, and I don't know if it's categorized as Heli's worst crash or uh, it's definitely not the funniest crash. It's it's probably the most like wow factor crash I've had. And I don't know how I didn't mention this earlier. Okay. Um, I was flying my Blade <clears throat> 360 CFX. Oh jeez. And Anthony was flying his Goblin 380. Uh, so, you know, hey, hey Anthony, do you mind if I uh fly on this side of the field? Sure, go for it. That was wait a minute. You asked him because usually he's like, "Yo, let's fly tandem." Yeah, no, I think I think I asked him. Yeah, I remember asking him like, "Yo, I'm just gonna throw this up over here. Oh, I'll okay. just stay. On, I'll just stay on my side." He's like, "Yeah, yeah, stay on your side or whatever." Or yeah, that's what he said. Yeah, he was like, "Just stay on that side, and I'll fly on this side." And I was like, "Cool." And he's going up, and you know, Anthony, he's still pretty new, so he like does a lot of um, up and down motion and does a lot of flips and and like. You know, in a small box, so right. you know, and and he does, you know, when he's that that's him practicing his flips, his collective control, um, you know, norm, and then other times he'll do figure eights. So he was doing that, and he was kind of going up and down, pitch pumping, doing flips, doing a little bit of loops, um, all in like one plane, like one, like going away from him and coming back to him, like that type of you know use of the field, I guess, or use of the airspace. For me, I was doing my normal thing, TikToks, whatever, and flying around, and I was like. Let me do a hurricane. Let me like he's he's up pretty high doing flips. I have a moment that I feel that I can do a, a hurricane and just use a little bit more to feel that, you know, whatever. So I ended up crossing into his box, I guess we could say. And he was doing I was doing a hurricane and he was doing a loop. And he was doing like a loop, I guess backwards i don't know he was doing a loop and basically he got to a certain point and my hurricane got to a certain point and we collided <laughs> jeez i basically my helicopter chopped his helicopter up i think it put a big gash down his tail boom his tail boom ejected i believe right it, it did eject right yeah it was in like three pieces i know his canopy ejected his canopy ejected with the battery okay Side frames were broken. Bottom plate was broken. Boom was in several pieces. The tail uh, belt was jammed in the boom, like in the cut. Right. Like jammed in their cut. And I think, yeah, there's probably some damage to the heads and linkages and stuff. I don't think he, I don't think he broke any like electronics, like servo gears or anything like that. But like it was mainly airframe damage and pretty much all of it. <laughs> While my blade had some damage. A landing gear, like the a little bit of the pipe on the landing gear broke off, but it was still totally usable. Bent tail boom, cracked frames, both sides. Bottom plate was cracked, and and then I had bent linkages. His definitely took the grunt of the impact of the damage compared to mine. His definitely cost more to repair. Yeah, and he was a good sport about the whole thing. Yeah, and you know, he, Anthony's a good guy. You know, he was a good sport about it. I mean, we were laughing pretty much because we just couldn't. And it's like there are two 450 size helicopters. How the hell do they crash into each other? Like in a field that's 
so big, you know, for these size helis. It's, it's a pretty big field. Yep. Like, how are they occupying the same space at the same time for it to hit? I don't know, but we did. I did. I totally crashed into him. So I take full responsibility for that crash as far as, you know, who's to blame. Um, I didn't get crashed in a month either. Did you realize that? No. I thought you guys were going to. I thought I was going to for sure. You know, because like even the, the, the you know, the plane guys standing there was like, oh, my God, I couldn't like like I heard this big crash and it heard nothing. You didn't even hear it hit the ground. It was just every, all the carnage was happening right there, you know, when they crashed into each other. So, yeah. So that's my heli worst crash or not really funny crash. I do want to just briefly talk about this in the news section because this is something that I believe all of us in the hobby need to um, be aware of and also, you know, take a minute to to do what we need to do here. So the FAA and the New Senate regulations, um, this is quoted right from AMA site and it goes as this. This new provisions will require all UAS, including model aircraft, to meet new FAA design and production standards and impose unnecessary regulation on hobbyists who often build their own models at home. So at, at this point, I'm reading this as uh, I believe I heard some news about it where if you build a plane or a multi-rotor or a helicopter at home that's like not a production model from you know like a DIY type of deal, you know, mainly like multi-rotors and planes, flight test planes, right? Or, right. or um, you know, your own design multi-rotors, right? You actually have to build one and send it to the FAA for them to inspect it and sign off on that aircraft. Yeesh. And that's the design and production standards that they need to impose on or whatever for the regulation. So, like, and, and this also counts for um, balsa planes. Balsa planes, but like, not even balsa planes per se, but like the manufacturers, right? Like, so say, like, okay, SIG has this, you know, ARF kit, right? Before they can put it in production, they would have to take those kits, send them over to FAA. They would have to go through their rounds of R&D and testing on it. And then they would basically say, okay, this model is now signed off for, um, you know, for a retail sale. Think about what kind of delay and red tape that people are going to have to go through. Companies with big money is going to just end up paying off the government. Come on. We all know that's true. So what are they going to do about it? Are they going to do anything about it? So let me continue to quote. Um so the bill also requires modelers to obtain permission from air traffic control when flying within five miles of a towered airport, which could jeopardize hundreds of existing flying sites. And if passed, the bill will require model aircraft enthusiasts to take an online FAA safety test and carry proof of passing that test when flying. So you basically have to be signed off and registered as, a, as like a pilot, per se, for the FAA. These new directors will undermine the model aircraft activity and detract from creativity, innovation, and enjoyment of the hobby. So basically what we can do is the A may have set up this. I, just, I did it today. It's an awesome site to write a letter to your senate, senator. You go to the site and we'll link it in the uh, Facebook and on the forums. Uh, and all it is is you basically put in your zip code. It automatically looks up your senator's for um, your area code or your state, it pre-populates a, an email with voicing concern about this new regulation and how it's going to affect 
us as hobbyists and and kind of like what they're saying here where the track from creativity innovation enjoyment you know and and further pushing this technology that can save lives and blah blah, blah and all that stuff it actually pre-writes all that for you nice all you have to do is just write your name your address and just sign off on it and I did it, and it sent it to two different senators. Um, there's also this other section where you have to tell, like, what type of email this is or what kind of, you know. And it, 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 on this link, it'll explain everything. It'll tell you, like, aircraft or hobbyists. Not hobbyists, but, like, transportation or whatever. But you write this stuff, and you sign it with, like, a Mr. or Mrs. Miss, whatever. And then, and then, it's, and then they get it. And I already got an email, res- you know, not response, but just acknowledgement at least saying that, hey, we got your email. We'll, we'll get back to you shortly and let you, you know, once we get a chance to read over it and stuff. Uh, I think the main purpose is that if whatever, 100,000 AMA members out there in the U.S. do this, that, you know, it's going to be a, a lot of pressure on, on FAA and Senate to not pass this bill and to maybe rethink it and amend it or, you know, and talk with the AMA and say, hey, we got all this concern from your members. We understand, yeah, maybe this isn't the best method of, of your regulation, you know, and being safe about it, right? Because that's that's their whole spiel, safety, right? Yeah. So because they've had so many drone sightings next to airplanes, but yet there've been prop strikes and uh, bird strikes for the last hundred years, and we're not shooting them out of the sky or anything like that. Nope, nope. It's ridiculous. It's just this is totally ridiculous, dude. This is what everybody was saying. You give these people an inch, you're going to take a mile. They yes. started out with. Just $5 fee, how much harm can it be? You're yep. only registering your drones, and I keep hearing that, and I cringe every time I hear it. You're yeah. not registering your freaking drones. You're registering as a pilot. Right. And now they take it to the next level where you got to take a safety test and carry proof. Yeah. And then you got to call air traffic control. Hey, yes, Teterboro Airport is close to me. I'm going to need to I'm, – I'm taking off. Dude, people might think this is dumb for me to say, but I really don't see any problem. Well, you know what? I, I do see the problem. I, you know, all of this stuff is good for all of us that are law-abiding citizens that have been doing this safely for the last whatever, 50 freaking years. This yeah. is going to do absolutely nothing for the people that are just going to keep flying. They're just going to keep flying with no yeah. regard of anybody and just do whatever they want to do. No, they're not going to be FAA registered. They're not going to take any tests. And then what are they going to do? Are they going to put them in jail? No. Yeah. They're not going to do a damn thing with those people. No, they're not because they're not going to catch them. This just looks more and more to undermine the hobbyists that we are and, and the, the community that we have in yes. my mind. That's all it is, really. I agree. I concur. I think this is – it's all a it's, – it's, it's, first of all, it's, it's a lot of PR shit. It's really just crap. I mean if you look at flight tests in the last four years, mm-hmm. it used to be – they said it in the last video, dude, when they were talking about Flight Fest 2016, mm-hmm. that it used to just be old guys with wooden planes stuck in their ways, the the, the quote unquote plankers. Yep. And now look how many how many families are involved, how many moms, yep. daughters are flying. It's so easy to get flying. Yeah. And it's just the whole community. Look how many great guys we have in our club. I mean, talking about the flight test guys, right? Like, you know, Peter uh, Shripal, right? Right. He was basically, you know, went to an event and he was kind of like, dude, this guy's great. He's smart. He knows his airplane stuff. He builds all these planes and basically got like picked up by flight tests, you know, right? and started working for them. 
but like you know like nasa has has requested help on some of the stuff that they were working on that he had some aeronautic experience in and you know and it's just like this young kid right. who likes to fly foam airplanes like where this hobby can bring our youth is it's insane like you know why limit that why why hurt that when if you want to go after the people that are doing messed up stuff then go after them strictly don't add more regulation yeah i think this is why don't you add more cameras and more like not cameras but like maybe some people that are like okay that drone came down like fucking you know get some tracking system or something i don't know like you got to think of something else you know yeah, I think this is. I think there's an end game in mind here. I don't know exactly what it is. We'll probably like look back five years from now and be like, "Oh, so that's why they did all this." Yes, and it'll be it'll be something related to either Amazon distributing packages and needing the airspace, or something. It'll it'll come up to be something. We'll we'll, yeah, we'll find so out some, something some way that they can tax and make money off of it. Yeah. Anyways. <sighs> Great. So thanks for that bad news, Steve. <laughs> I just I, I want everyone to to, to uh, go to the link, go and actually sign up and write to the senator. Let's see what we can do. Let's see what all AMA members, if they do this, what we can actually accomplish. Let's yeah. see if we can turn this the other way, you know, for us. So, um, yep, I'll put that link on our Facebook post when this goes out and also on uh, – I'll get Nick to put this on the the forum. Um, okay. Maybe maybe even start a thread just for this, so you know we can have folks talk about it and vent out some of their frustrations and and ideas too. You know, maybe we can come up with a great idea that you know Amy might pick up and be like, "Hey, we didn't think of that." You know, who knows? Let's. What's next for you in the hobby, Kevin? Still going to be working on my charging case, and still going to be working on my forty-seven inch project. Nice that I want to get going. Hopefully, I can get it ready for this this weekend it's just it's difficult man mm-hmm. with work and stuff and like last week was busy and this week is going to be busy again yeah you've been busy building my 24 volt power supply too i see yeah that's right yeah <laughs> nice i can't wait to get those i also got uh set for you so you can definitely right, cool. uh, use these and and make some more room in your charging case okay what are you going to be up to i finally printed out the plans to fix the bushwhacker and the mini guinea and while I was doing that, I also printed out plans for the Mini Cruiser, Sparrow, Bronco, Explorer. Jeez. So, yeah, <laughs> I kind of went crazy with the printer and wasted a whole batch of toner there. But basically, um, you know, I just wanted to have, like, these plans printed out. So when I have free time, I can maybe, you know, stitch them together and decide which plane I want to build. One of the reasons I did the Mini Cruiser and Sparrow is because I have all these 1806 2300KV motors. The little quad motors. So I want to build more smaller planes that can utilize those. And and the Mini Cruiser, after watching yours do the flat spins, I was like, ooh, imagine with a little quad motor screaming doing that. That that could be pretty cool. <laughs> so, yeah, so I'm, I'm trying to think about my Flight Fest plane. I'm just arbitrarily just thinking, let's pick an 80-inch wingspan. Let's, I, let's go kind of big, but not too crazy, but, you know, 80-inch. So... I actually found um, the plans for this kit online. Just oh, for nice. the boss kit. It's totally different than what name I thought it is. Yeah. But it's the same overall look, design, and everything. So um, without giving too much away, 
I basically have plans now I could blow up and use as guides and reference points for the size of the wing. So I'll probably blow up the plans to see what wing size I can get out of it. And then from there, if whatever that percentage is, I'll make the rest of the I'll put out the rest of the plans like that and hopefully have a you know, something to scale with an 80 inch wingspan. On the heli side, I'm thinking of taking a Neo out of my 570 and when I get to rebuilding my 380 to put it in there. And, and my main reason is, is I love flying the 570, but I only have one pack for it. And right now I can't afford another pack. So for me to bring that heli to the field, fly maybe once, maybe twice, and then bring it back when I have a perfectly awesome Goblin 380 that I have four packs for. And, uh, you know, the packs are smaller, so they're quicker to charge. Right. Uh, and I could charge them, you know, a bunch at a time too. You know, it just seems like I'll get more flight time with the Goblin 380 currently with the amount of battery packs I have. So once I order the, the couple of replacement parts I want for the 380, it's a couple of upgrade parts, then I'll do the complete teardown, rebuild, and I'll put the Neo in there. And this past Saturday, I was, I was noticing I was getting a little like clicking noise on the Goblin 700. And talking to Rick about it, I'm taking a look at the heli, I'm getting lateral playing the main shaft. Okay. So lateral meaning the main shaft's going straight up and down, and I'm able to move the main shaft a little bit forward and a little bit back. Okay. In the heli. So uh, main shaft, I think it's okay. I just think the main bearings are wearing in. You know, the inner races, the main bearing are, are wearing. Right. So I am going to look into ordering replacements for that and hopefully get that fixed, you know, by next weekend or the weekend. Let's wrap it up, Kev. All right. Let's wrap it up. I was on Podbean and I saw that. I don't know if I've mentioned these countries before, but I saw them and I said, I don't know if I've mentioned them. So <laughs> here I'm going to go. I'm going to mention nice. them. Uh, Costa Rica was one of them. We have a listener in Costa Rica and uh, United Arab Emirates, which I'm not even sure where that is. I'm sure it's somewhere. The UAE. That's like. Out of here. No, nah, that's like um, Dubai. Okay. That's um by, by that area. Yeah, I and that was actually like a Tariq. big hit. There was like a lot of listeners. Really? And well, it was more than ten to nice. just pop up. So I was like, okay. I, I wonder if Tariq Tarek uh, listens to this. Maybe. Maybe maybe the Cost AC episode or something. I don't know. Yeah, maybe you never know. You know that's uh, you know bringing up Cost AC just going a quick side tangent. One of the questions I I wanted to ask him is. It's, you know, he's at this level where he's, you know, the one, you know, I would say top pilot in the world or maybe top two pilot in the world, whatever. Like, does he actually, like, you know, does he ever, like, look at someone else and be like, oh, wow, he's a good pilot. Like, he has some moves I want to try, you know, like how we look at him and we're like, oh, man, yeah, I want to do that move that he does, you know. I'm sure he does. I'm sure he, he sees parts of, of a of a. You know, a routine, a routine that somebody yeah. does, and he's like, you know what? That's that's interesting. Yeah. Huh. Anyways, uh, let's get it back on track. So we also have, what is this, a Facebook message you've been chatting with, right? Yeah, I've been chatting yeah. with Russ Cox, and he's um, he's the guy that uh, the, a couple podcasts ago I mentioned, the guy that put the Red Bull scheme on the FT3D. That was mm-hmm. him. I nice. want to mention that. And uh, he said we should definitely try the FT3D again. He listened to the last uh, episode. Uh-huh. And he sent me some videos of uh, him and his buddies. They have Tundras from Hobby King. 
Yeah. And they have floats on them. And he sent me a video of him flying off the off the lake that they were at mm-hmm. with the tundras. He says good flying plane. And it sounded like he flies with the same type of guys we fly with because there was just like nonstop ball busting going on. Nice. <laughs> and then about, I don't know, about 15 minutes later, he sent me another video of him rowing out to get his tundra that he crashed. <laughs> and they were still busting his chops. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. I think he's down in Florida. Okay. If I'm not mistaken. I think he's the guy that's down in Florida. Oh, cool. So he flies all year round. Yeah. I'm sorry if I get him, get your guys' locations, you know, screwed up. Yeah. No worries. But that was cool, man. I've, I've, I've had a good time talking to him. Nice. Sounds like a good guy. And thanks for listening. Yeah. Thanks, <laughs> Russ. All right. Um, so we only had two Facebook lights, uh, two more. So we're at a total of 157, and I am going to totally butcher these names, or at least the second name. Um, so the first one is Ben Thacker. Second one, I think this is like Vietnamese. Um, it's like Tong Hain, Tong Hen. So sorry for butchering your name, but uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for the likes on Facebook. Um, keep them coming, guys. Let's let's try to get this 157 up higher, man. I would like to uh, one day see this, you know, pass the 200 range. Um, all right. So what do we have here next? Uh, so we don't we have many Facebook comments, but I know Chris Chris Breams has been always posting on our page, and and um, it's great. It's uh, he did post one, um, and I'm just gonna verbatim read this real quick. Okay, there was this tree guarding the end zone, and it put the smackdown on my RV9 Maiden. Uh. It flew like a dream for a while. Oh, well, next year's winter project already slated. So, uh-huh. yeah, <laughs> that sucks, Chris. That was that blue and uh, blue and yellow. Yeah, yeah, one the blue and yellow had. one. I think, it's, uh, I think it was like a low wing, right? Yeah, that sucks because that, that had an interesting uh, little scheme going on color-wise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I remember he was putting a lot of work into getting it ready or fixed from some other crash uh yeah. we had another post a couple posts and it's just uh it was what do you call it? our friend anthony he posted a couple shots of my goblin 600 i mean 700 co- uh competition and a Turek inverted hovering where i did hands-off transmitter hovering with the Turek inverted so he posted a couple of those pictures so thank you for that um we got poppy shout out do you want to do this yeah thanks for uh Two guys that started following us. Thanks, guys. Uh, Chromer7 and I see douchebags. <laughs> Douche dags, I wrote. It must be douchebags, though. Yes, yeah, douchebags. <laughs> and it's I. I E Y E. Yeah. C, the letter C, douchebags. Yes. That's awesome. Because <laughs> I see them too every friggin' day. I know. That's why I enjoy going to the club on the weekend. <laughs> so I can have fun. Uh, I can't. I can't hold it in. Yeah. So I see douchebag is me. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> I just like I want to see you say something funny. So. Oh, so you're getting me back? A little. Oh, who's somebody? I think it was Russ who sent me. Yeah, yeah. It's like oh, he yeah, told me. Killing... He said I, with your film poor crack Steve and or he's like, yeah. yeah. He's like poor Steve. He said I was laughing. I, I was today. I was like, oh, I need to get your Kevin back somehow. But I don't want to like, I don't want to, you know, do something stupid like I see Wiener or something. I was like, oh, <laughs> we, we we talk about douchebags a lot. So, and then I was like, uh, and, then, and, then, and then I I I did this and I and I you know followed our podcast and I was like, 
oh, but that's not really funny. I don't know. It's not really good. And I was like, maybe I should do like Kevin, Kevin sucks. Yeah, like something with your name on it. And I was like, <laughs> and have you say it? But I was like, uh. no, no. And I, I actually try to say like, um, Kevin loves douchebags. <laughs> <laughs> And, but it didn't save it, and I was like, ah, forget it. I'll just leave it the way it is. <laughs> oh, boy. No wonder you let me read it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, iTunes reviews. Um, drop us an iTunes review, and we'll read it on the next episode. We have uh, – just want to quickly mention the Fun Fly again. You know, it's uh, June 25th. Try to make it out. It's in New Jersey. If you're in the area, yep. you know. Hit us up, message us. We'll give you directions, all the information. I'm working on the flyer. I'm waiting to get two more pictures to put on there of helicopters, and I'm going to consider it done. Oh, I and, thought you were going to get a picture of me. Well, yeah, I want to put picture. it on her. Oh, boy. You're giving me ideas now. No. I'm going to take, take your Skype picture with you in front of here at the Tron Arcade. That's with, okay. with, you know, cheeseburger smile and your thumbs up. <laughs> right. Um, no, we'll see. I, I want to get some helicopters on there. Right now, I put that. I put a picture of the the line of oxies. Okay. Yeah. So I put that on there. I want to get some helis in the air though. That's so cool. I got to remember to do that this week and remind me um, when we go flying that to take some pictures of some heli flying. Okay. All right. So email us at free4rc at gmail dot com. Our Facebook page is free uh, facebook dot com slash free4rc podcast. Uh, check out our webpage, free4rcpodcast.com. And we got our forums, off of flight test forums, uh, audio and video production, other than flight test podcast. And then you'll see us there, free4rc podcast. Wow, saying that a lot. Um, <laughs> if you want stickers, I don't know. I'm kind of running low on stickers. How about you? Are you? I have probably less than 20 left. Oh, wow. I got a bunch. Oh, okay. So if you want stickers, send us your address, message us, email us, and we'll get some sent out to you. It was a Steven. Um, I didn't get a chance to send out your stickers today like I said I would. They're sitting in my laptop bag. I will get everything, get your address on there, and send them out uh, before this podcast release. So probably tomorrow, Wednesday, and hopefully you'll get it by the time this podcast is released. Nice. So, all right. Uh, keep our free our skies. Oh, I ruined that one. Edit. <laughs> yeah, and you're not gonna edit it. I know it. <laughs> no, Kevin, I will. Kevin's a douchebag. <laughs> that I'm not gonna edit. Ah, <laughs> I was, I was sure that you're gonna edit that. Okay. So, uh, what, were, what was I gonna say? Okay, yeah. Edit. Free our skies, and we'll see you next time. <laughs> see ya, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Okay. Oh, I know you're going to leave all bunch of those parts in. You, you, you know, how many episodes are we at now? 19, right? 19, yeah. Do you want to, at a certain point, like...